Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Podolan, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Podolan, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for a thousand. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Hello and welcome back to episode 26 of Up My Hockey with Jason Padolan. Uh Today you are in for another amazing guest. It was great to catch up with my friend and teammate Steve Kelly. Steve and I grew up in the same neck of the woods. Uh, we're both the same birth year and we both played <clears throat> in the WHL. We ended up playing in uh, Mannheim together for the Adler uh, of the Deutsche Ice Hockey League towards the end of our careers. But we also have something else in common. Uh, we never had the exact NHL career we would have liked. I guess we're like a lot of guys out there. But um, Steve Steve being chosen the sixth overall selection with the Edmonton Oilers in the 1995 draft, he definitely had his sights on a little bit longer NHL career. Although he did collect 149 NHL games by the time he was done, um, nothing to shake a stick at at all, uh, playing for teams like the Oilers, Lightning, Devils, Kings, and Wild. Uh, and Steve did win the Stanley Cup with the Devils in 2000, so not many men can say that to have their have their names etched on the uh, on that on that beautiful beautiful trophy. But uh, we discuss Steve's journey throughout his career. We cover a lot of great topics like how Steve went from undrafted in the WHL Bantam draft to the sixth overall selection in the world. Uh, what Steve thinks is the most important aspect of youth hockey uh, that many coaches often forget. Uh, we learn the very worst way to celebrate your first NHL goal in a, in a pretty funny story that Steve shares. And, and what Steve said to Lou Lamorello that got him traded the very next day. Uh, intangibles other than talent and skill that can determine your hockey to destiny and and the key thing we both wish we would have had early in our careers but was missing. Uh, Steve also adds an amazing story about Bruce Boudreau, one of his favorite coaches, uh, that shows why Bruce, uh, Bruce has his players absolutely love him and want to go to war for him. Uh, this is an honest conversation with an authentic man, a great teammate, and a good friend. Uh, and remember, hockey is about people first, not about the stick and the puck. And this always reminds me, these, these conversations always remind me of that. Uh, I hosted this, this live in my Facebook group uh, once again for uh, the Up My Hockey Parent group on Facebook. And if you are a supportive hockey parent out there, would love front row access to my guests, get to ask your own questions and listen in live uh, before this gets released elsewhere, and that you think mindset is an important part of high performance, and you'd also enjoy an engaged community of like-minded parents from across North America, uh, the group might be exactly what you're looking for. Uh, we talk about a lot of great stuff in there. And like I said, there's a lot of perks and, uh, and, and extras that you get by, by joining the private group. So if that's for you, see you in there. Um, and without uh, further ado, I bring you my friend, my old teammate, and a Stanley Cup champion, uh, Mr. Steve Kelly. All right, Mr. Kelly, we are live for episode 26 of the Up My Hockey podcast. Uh, Steve, Killer Kelly, uh, we'll get your nickname out there early, uh, and I go back, geez, 
all the way back to minor hockey, I guess, when we really break it down, although we didn't know each other really well then. And then um, through through the WHL, obviously crossed paths some pro a little bit and then ended up playing together finally in, in Mannheim. So lots to talk about, uh, but I really appreciate you coming on here today, Steve. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate making it into your top 30. <laughs> you must be digging deep, but uh, no, I'm happy. It's good to talk with you again, buddy. And yeah, we've had lots of fun over the years, so it's, uh, I'm excited. Thanks good for having time, me on. Yeah. Steve was joking earlier. He goes, geez, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Hey, calling me. And I'm like, heck no bottom of the barrel, man. Stanley Cup champion, seventh overall pick. You know, like we got lots to talk about. So um I do appreciate you coming on. It's 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 great to have you. And we are live again in the group here in the Up My Hockey Parent Group. So we've only done this a couple times of actually having a, a podcast uh, guest on because I, I do do interviews in the group killer with people involved in the industry. Like last night, I talked to uh, Dan, um, Dan Wildfong, who's the head coach of one of the top teams in the NAHL down in the States, had a professional career himself, but we never actually made that a podcast. It was more or less just for the parents in the group. So I do do stuff like that in the group, but, um, sometimes within the, like for the podcast, which I go live with, uh, I'll, I'll have that in the group as well. So for any guys out there who have kids who are interested, you know, about supporting their kid and, and navigating this world of hockey, by all means, join us in the parent group. It's a private group on Facebook called up my hockey with Jason Padolan, but, uh, Steve, what we want to talk about and what really the podcast is about, and I know you're not at 100% familiar with it, but it's like getting to kind of the grassroots of the players that end up playing in the NHL and what their stories are. Because the beauty part of this whole thing is, is that we all have such a different route and such a different path. And, you know, some guys were stars in minor hockey, some guys weren't. Some guys got cut five times in junior A and some guys didn't. You know, like everyone has a different way and different adversities and different hurdles. And it's really cool to dig into those stories. And like I said, before we even came on air, I'm like, you and I have known each other forever and we've never had this conversation, right, about whatever, about how tough it was playing junior, about the draft year, about, you know, trying to get to pro, you know, we just, you know, like life goes on and we have our commonalities, we have our laughs and you have a few beers, but you kind of don't get into the, into the weeds of it. So for the first time, I'd love to get in the weeds with it with you. <laughs> well, let's, let's do it. Whatever I can uh, help you with. Hopefully there's the stories are all PG rated here. Nothing. <laughs> You can go wherever you want, man. But uh, yeah, I mean, there is there is a lot of aspiring athletes that do like to tune in. There's definitely parents. There's definitely sports fans, too. So, I mean, we're across the board. Um, but let's get back into it. Like, back to minor hockey. Where where did you grow up? Tell me where you grew up and what minor hockey was like for you. Uh, I grew up uh, on the west side. So, I think now they call it West Kelowna. But uh, if you talk to anybody I grew up with, they do not like it being called West Kelowna because it was West Bank and the west side. And uh, just uh, on the other side of the bridge, so small minor hockey in Mount Boucherie. And um, yeah, that was it, a small little association and mostly, you know, double A hockey at, at most. Um, yeah, and I'm still super close with all those guys I grew up with out there. We played together and we heard the, the legendary stories of the Jason Padolan, who was the star of Vernon minor hockey back in, in the day. So, um, so it was funny when I always look back and laugh that we actually got to know each other, played against each other, played with each other, became friends, lived in the same town kind of thing. Because uh, let's be honest, you were the next biggest thing coming out of probably BC, but for a long time. So, but yeah, that was my story, just minor hockey out there. And uh, um, yeah, and like I said, I ended up, like you mentioned, we were talking earlier, I 
I got lucky enough to win the Stanley Cup and brought it back to Mount Boucherie there and uh, saw the rink attendants and everybody got to see it and teachers and every little person I think I ever knew in that little town. So it was, it was, a, it was a, one of the, probably the coolest times that I had. No, for sure. Yeah. Well, I want to get there for sure, Killer, because that's, I mean, obviously that's awesome to have your name etched on that thing is, is super cool. But, you know, it, we, it did start back in, in the West Side, like you say, and, and like how long did you play minor hockey there? Because right, why I want to make this relevant is because now there's there's so much discussion. And I mean, and you're a hockey parent now yourself, and we'll probably get into that, right? You know, ben, Ben's going through it and, um, you know, what what team is he on and what level is it? And, you know, is it travel and, you know, who's going to see him? And there's like so much kind of anxiety from a parent perspective and, and with the players too. But, I mean, it's good to connect to somebody like you who played, like you say, double-A hockey at best for like for a while, you know, and you weren't playing against the top guys and ended up being a seventh overall draft pick. So just talk us through like what minor hockey was like for you then back in the day. Um, we, I mean, it's probably the same as a lot of people. We actually had a really good group of, really good group of friends and guys that I played with and and as everyone else that plays knows you know you're every second year you got that same group right that usually in a small town so and we actually had a really really good group of players like guys that ended up playing college a few and minor pro which is pretty rare out of a you know a small association even so we had that good group and and I mean as far as Bantam getting to the double-a provincial finals and losing double overtime which all of us that was like the stanley cup to us yeah. back then I remember we still talk about that and um so we had that good crew and you know i mean i started and just played like everyone else i think i didn't start till i was about almost eight years old so i wasn't really a young starter and uh yeah went in and played and played up till phantom and finally got a few looks i think at that provincial tournament and a few tryouts and in the western hockey league and junior and that sort of thing and then ended up kind of fighting my way through and and going on yeah. from there yeah that was you, really um, that's pretty cool I mean one, one to, to hear that story I mean small town stuff and and I I don't like I don't try and sell the dream here talking about this you I mean it's hard right it's hard to go play in the NHL but the thing is is like when when people want to stamp on that dream like with a young kid and you know oh you'll never make it yeah you, know, you know it's point 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 one percent it's like shut up you know what I mean like I, I don't need to hear that because I know it's hard, but there is situations, like you said, with your team, like my team, my peewee team in Vernon, right? Matt Higgins, myself, Brad Larson, all played in the NHL. You know, Mike yeah. Ford went on to D1 scholarship. Like guys went on to play CIS. You know, like there, there, there's opportunity in hockey. And like, we don't need to tell a nine-year-old kid to have a different dream, right? So one, it can happen. And two, it does. It may not, but who cares? Have some fun with it, right? Go and yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you probably get a lot of questions with your boys in hockey, the same as I do when I'm at the rink and I'm coaching my son and doing that. And you have all the parents that want to know, well, what'd you do to make it and what'd you do? And I, and I always tell them, I'm like, it, it wasn't what I did. I go, I loved playing hockey. That was the bottom line. And I go... And I guarantee you that's the same for all those guys that I had in minor hockey. Like we still get together and play in tournaments, men's league tournaments in the springtime just to get together. And we all love it still, like as much as we did that, you know what I mean? Like I love putting on the skates as much as I did playing pro, playing probably more so now and going out with my son. And I, and I always look and you see those kids and I'm like, to be quite honest, like I, I can usually see the kids and you look at them and be like, oh, these kids love it. Like they just love being out here. And that's the kids I think that'll end up doing something because they just keep going, right? They love it. It's right. not necessarily the kid that goes out and scores 
hundred goals every year. Like he's, he, he might have a good chance as well, but I mean, those kids that yeah. just love playing. So that's the way I look at it is that you just keep them playing and having fun and not, you know, dragging them into playing five times a day if they don't want to, but making it fun. And that, I mean, right. for me, that was it. I obviously wanted to make the NHL, but I just couldn't get enough of playing hockey. <laughs> no, that's wild. I want to, I want to touch on that. We talked about fun, which is so cool. Cause I was talking with one of my clients yesterday and with, oh, I mean, there's some hockey going on right now. It depends on where you live, right? Some guys have access to ice, some guys don't, but there's no games being played anywhere. And, and so we're talking a lot about the mindset side of the sport, right? Like, when do you play yeah. your best? When don't you? How do you How do you perform at your best? And, and golf has become like such a centerpiece of like my discussions with some of my clients because they're all playing golf. And like, what a better game to discuss mindset around than golf, right? Yeah. And the client said, um, I, I played, like he, he, he was really dialing in on what his game was like, shot a 79, which was amazing for him. And he worked on the fact of being grateful on the course and having fun. Like you just said, he said like the more fun that I was having, like that I focused on really enjoying the game, the yeah. better I played. And when I worried about what my score was, that was when I took a tank for like two or three holes, you know, or what the result was going to be. And I just yeah. thought that was super cool. Cause that's what you're saying now, right? Like that fun aspect of like enjoying what you're doing matters because you're going to do more, with that time you're gonna you're gonna give more right you're gonna work out harder you're gonna do all these things because you love it right yeah not if someone's pushing you to do it or making you do it or a parent is or, or whatever yeah i i'm i fully believe that 100 percent is that's the way is just enjoy it like you said have fun yeah. and that's why obviously when i'm coaching kids i mean every coach has their own little uh ways they do stuff now but we try and incorporate like fun into it essentially like it sounds might sound kind of ridiculous or or whatever over the top when everyone's running skating drills and stick handling and they need to be you know super ultra skilled and I'm like oh no let's have fun like what did you know what did we do at a pro level at the end of practice we went and played three on three and just had fun or before practice and and yeah and joked and had fun and I mean that you still get your skills you get your edge work you get all that stuff those intangibles that you need but I mean I I still am a full, full believer that you got to enjoy it. You got to have fun. And the kids that, you know, you make that fun and they're, they're, they they want to come back. They want more. They want to, you know, so. Yeah. That's know. an interesting topic because at some point, like I, I talked to some of the kids that I coach and the parents too about that, right? That yeah, we want, I want this to be a fun environment, right? Mm -hmm. But that fun, it changes at a certain age, right? Because when you're, when you're younger, let's say seven, eight, nine, maybe even a little younger than that, it's like games. It's like fun, goof around, right? But you can have, at some point, it, it kind of morphs into fun, like having fun competing, having fun, uh, you know, yeah. digging in, right? Like, yeah. so the, it's interesting, too, because like what, what's, what was once fun changes, you know, and you have to grow into that, too, because it does come a little bit more serious at some point. Yeah, no, I again, yeah, totally, and I think that's that comes with my thoughts are like the the life lessons of hockey, and that's the other part of it that like you're bringing in the fun of competing, the fun of well, the, the world's a competitive place. Like I tell my kids that, like it, you know that every you know those kids' parents know that, like making a living is competitive and tough in the job world. And I'm like, those are the skills you learn in hockey, right? You learn that stuff, and you learn. I mean, I. You know, obviously the oil and gas business being big out in Calgary and up and down and, and that market, but those guys love hockey players in that market. Like they, I mean, you know, we, when we were retiring, I mean, they're hiring guys because they bring those intangible skills that they've learned. Right. And that's yeah. repeating the hard work, the, 
you know, they, they, they bring that social element. They know how to handle themselves in a social environment, in a dressing room and, a and, uh, you know, and I, I think those are big, I mean, life lessons. And those are the other things I want my son to get out of hockey, not just, you know, obviously we all want our kids to do well, but, um, the, those things are what you yeah. want, right? You know, those no, 100%. Things. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just I just love that you bring it up fun because that was another thing I, I I was talking about and even like so I don't know if you've been watching NHL.com has been calling mic'd up they've been miking up some players during yeah. these practices and they've been yeah. posting them yeah and I mean it just brings me right back right because you were you were a bit of a chirper I know I was too right but not everyone's like that but yeah. but my gosh like I was giggling at some of these guys right they're just having fun right Have, having a good time out there and then I yeah. I was listening to that and I'm like my our practices aren't like that anymore. You know what I mean? At the youth level. And I'm like, you mean, these guys really are so serious about, you know, like you said, the edges and the, and all the, it's like, have a good time guys, like really enjoy what you're doing out there. And that's how you can do it too. You can be serious and competitive and all this, but you can be laughing and, and jo- joking and chirping and having a good time out there. And I, I just want guys to remember, I mean, it is a place to have a good time, right? Have a good time. Yeah. No question. I mean, it's, it's, and the other thing, it comes to an end for everyone. Like yeah. we're all working now. We're either doing other jobs and that, right? Like you, it's part of your life. Like enjoy it. And I mean, yeah, yeah you will. And I always know probably the same as you and a lot of guys. When you were playing your best, is when you know you were having fun. You were laughing, joking. Your mind was at ease. Like you're, like you said, with the golf comparable. You're not worrying about your score and hacking a shot and slicing one and topping one. You're just ah, whatever, hit another one and have some fun and. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, for me, totally, that's 100% my motto. And I'm sure right. at some point, some coaches don't like it. I know that some coaches think if you're laughing and joking, you're not serious. But um, I disagree with that. I think you can still be like that and still be focused and compete and serious when you need to be. Yeah, I think that's, uh, we'll get into that too, because I know that you had, uh, you know, the odd, let's call it a run in here and there with, with people of authority um, in, in your career. But like those guys, like the, the ability to be an individual now in the game seems to be a lot more welcomed. And, uh, and whether that means laughing and joking in a room or whether that means like, whatever that means, wearing a different suit than the black suit that every guy wore in the NHL in 1993, right? Yeah. That we all had the exact same suit with the same tie. And it was like, we, we almost had a uniform, but you know, like that's celebrated a little more. And I think, so I think that's gone a little bit, right? Like a, a, a little bit, like how allowed to be yourself and, a, and allowed not to be looked down your nose on if a guy's, you know, maybe laughing and joking a little bit at practice, which I think is a great turn because, you know, that, that old school mentality needs to get out. But beyond that, let's go back to you at 12 years old. I think it's 12, right? Playing Bantam. No, you'd be a little bit older than that. Probably 13. No, 15, 14, 15. Yeah. 14, 15. Yeah, that's right. 14, 15. So yeah. you were second year Bantam that year you went to the provincials and lost yeah. in double overtime. Yeah, um, lost double overtime to uh mr i believe it was justin borsato scored i can still remember because we were so disappointed a salmon arm kid who was a, a stud for them and uh and he scored in double overtime and killed all our dreams were you at, at that point i mean because the next year you were in the whl um correct if i yeah. got the I got the years right no, so you you must have been a pretty dominant player at, at that point in, in at that level i don't know but you could say that, like, I think I would say I was a good player at that, at that level. And, um, yeah, to be honest with you, I just got a chance. Like I did, I did well in that tournament and it's like anything, I mean, 
in the sports world, you're as good as what you've done lately, right? Really, it's that's that's kind yeah. of the sports world. It's so that was it. I got a look after that tournament. I had a really good tournament, and uh, and uh, yeah, turned some heads and got some invites to some Western Hockey League camps, and then um, ultimately Prince Albert just listed me. They they had invited me, and then they said, "Oh, we listed you, and you're coming to camp." That is amazing. See, I love this. Knowing you forever, and I didn't—I didn't know you never got drafted in the in the WHL draft. So you were you were undrafted that 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 year, had not not yeah. been drafted, had a good provincial, got listed by PA, and then next year you're there. Well, I actually, yeah, I had an invite to camp to the Blazers training camp, which, you know, living where we live, I mean, and the Blazers were so dominant in those years, I was super excited, thinking, yeah, I'm gonna go try out and play for the Cowboys Blazers that was my thing and and then I was kind of a little bit disappointed when PA told me they listed me because I'm like I, I don't even know who these guys are and I'm right you know oh, I can't go to Kamloops like that was my that was my my goal right this strong team and 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 I should say disappointed obviously you're happy but I was a little bit like okay I mean it's it's a it's a chance which is what you want right so yeah um, yeah that was it went out there and did the Sherwood Park ultra rookie camp or whatever and got past that and then went to the rookie camp in PA and then the main camp. Yeah. And, made the team. and then, yeah. And then somehow uh, made a team. <laughs> well, walk us through that, man, because that's like, I mean, that's a really big turnaround from double a hockey to get listed after the provincials to now all of a sudden actually being a 16 year old in the WHL. That's no small, no small feat. So was that a crazy time for you? Yeah, it was, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it definitely was. Cause yeah, I got, like I said, after listing, then it was like, well, you're not, you know, you're listed, you're not a drafted guy. You're kind of, we put you on a protected list. So come to, uh, like I said, this rookie camp in Sherwood park, which is essentially just a, a pile of, you know, some listed guys and a bunch of minor hockey guys and midgets and whoever else, right. There's about, you know, a hundred people there, I think, or something or whatever it is. And, and you do that camp for a weekend and then after that they kind of said okay we want you to come to rookie camp in pa so then you go out to you know you go to rookie camp and do the same thing again and go through rookie camp and um yeah did that and then i was kind of in a and i was in a bit of a bad spot i think you know like my mom passed away while i was at rookie camp so i obviously that's a tough time a young kid so then I went back home for for her funeral but I obviously still really wanted to play hockey that was still my goal since I was a kid so then I came back for main camp and then uh that was it yeah after main camp they kind of said we want you to stay and and we'll get you we got some billets for you a billet family and uh and away you go so my dad came out with some winter coats he brought me some some heavy winter coats because we heard it was cold and really didn't know where I was. And my billets took me in and I uh, moved in and, <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. That is crazy killer. Like, wow. The year your mom passes away during, during that time, 16 years old, like moving away from home in a place you don't know afterwards, like your dad, your dad saying that that's okay. Like that, there's so much happening there for you, man. Yeah. Oh, pretty well. when you see obviously having kids and all the parents I'm sure that you talk with and that because I got a, a 17 year old that's moving away to Waterloo to, to go to school and that and it's you, you look at them you're like wow are they little and young and you know what I mean you don't really want them to leave so I always look back and and 
you know, same thing. I'm like, Jesus, my dad probably was thinking, I don't know if we really want to start sending him out of here. His mom just died and he's, you know what I mean? And on the other side of it, I think he knew how much, you know, I wanted to play. Like I said, it was my dream since I was a kid as as a lot of people, but so he knew it was a stepping stone and a big stepping stone to kind of get to that level. So yeah. So he said, see you later, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. How was your belief factor with that? Like, did you, had you, like when you went to that that ultra rookie camp, like did you were your sights set on making the PA Raiders this year? Like was that kind of what you thought, or did it sort of just kind of unfold and happen for you? Uh, to be honest with you, I think it kind of just just played out that that, that way. Like I mean, I uh, I I mean, I had confidence. I have confidence in my abilities, and I always have, and what you do in that. But I I honestly didn't know, you know, when you're starting way back and not getting drafted and all of a sudden just getting a tryout and then, okay, the next one. And you're like, all right, well, I'll just keep going as far as it goes and keep playing as well as I can. And, and, uh, and I, yeah. And then, like I said, all of a sudden I got the word one day that, you know, that that was it. My dad might've been pushing them a little bit because I had some good college opportunities coming up. Some, um, there my dad was kind of putting it towards him because you know if you play you can't go to college and so yeah. you know which you know i think all our parents look out for us so yeah yeah no perfect and how what was that first year like for you i mean 16 is a big i remember my 16 year old year like you know i'd, I'd gone to penticton at 15 for me but my mom came with me for that one right so she moved with me to penticton and played against the big guys but i just remember you know it was different because you're with 20 year old men right? There's, yeah. you know, there's, oh, yeah. there's old guys there. You're playing against big, strong guys. You're away from home. For me, I was in Spokane, a new country, right? Now, mom and dad definitely aren't there. There's a lot of yeah. growing up that goes on that's even outside of the game of hockey. Like, do you, do you, how do you remember that being, being a 16-year-old in that league? Yeah, there, you're totally right. That's exactly what it is. You, um, yeah, you move away. And obviously, with my situation, made it a little tougher. But on the other side of it, I moved in with a great family. Like I moved in with uh, a family that are still I'm as close with as any of my own family. Like they were, you know, obviously a mom and dad and, and two kids, and uh, and she took care of me like like I was her her son. I think she she knew the situation, and but that made it a lot easier is that part of it, but. But the, and then obviously you're in school as well, as you know, so you, you, you leave all your friends and go to a new high school. So you're just like, here's a new school. Here's a new locker. Here's uh, you know what I mean? Here you go. Like start going to class and finish your school, which is, it's a, it is a real weird time. Like when you tell people about it, cause I mean, I think you're, again, you're, you you have a goal in mind. I had a goal in mind. So that's, so you just kind of overlook all that stuff because you're, you're driven for that goal, which I was. And, but you, when you look back at it, you're like, Jesus, that was really weird. Like you just get dropped off Saskatchewan and you're, you know, <laughs> actually that's what happened. Like I always laugh with my billet because he, they, I was at the rink one day and they dropped me off after main camp at the rink and my billet, Randy showed up and introduced himself. Hey, I'm Randy. I'm like, I'm Steve. He's like, all right, come with me and go to a new house. And then by an hour later, I'm sitting at the dinner table with a new family. And <laughs> I'm always like, like you, you know it as well, I guess a lot, you know, but you're just like, okay, I got a new bedroom. And then the next day I'm going to a new school and a new locker. And you're like you said, and then you're playing with a bunch of men, like 19 and 20 year olds. And 
yeah. you know and, and yeah so it's a it's a real eye-opener when you look back like at the yeah. time i think you're just excited to be there and what you, you're i was happy i made it and you know it's a step in my in, in my goal to get where i wanted and but when you look back and tell people they're like that's crazy like why yeah. would you ever do that? like why would yeah. you leave all your buddies and you yeah. know and you're, and you're like well i mean everybody moved right that's i mean yeah. every, got a story like you said at the beginning right like i know lots of military guys now that i work with and they've moved all over the place with their parents right in the military and did this and that so it's i mean everyone's got a story right and i mean i met a lot of good people that are family now so i i mean i gained a lot out of it too so yeah, yeah. and you um well now and it's a different perspective too i think you'd probably agree with having kids like you already mentioned it you know being a father now and looking at your son and being like 16, like you're gone and you're going to be doing like that stuff that we just talked about. Like, it seems, yeah. seems a little crazier when you're not the one looking at it through 16 year old eyes. Right. Like we were just going, yeah. we were gung ho. Right. Like, like I said, you kind of overlook all the craziness about it because you just knew that was part of the plan. Right. That was part of the path. Oh, right? my, my daughter, she's been gung ho to leave since she was 13 years old. So she was, and this year she got opportunities to go to some college and she plays volleyball and uh and she was i think she was going the farthest away she could go she's out to ontario and i'm like well i guess it's you can't you know you can't blame her like you said yeah. like well i did it and yeah. and he said the same when i tried to convince her to stay and go to u of s or ufc or something then near home and you know and she's like dad you did it i can do it i'm you know I'm like okay perfect yeah. give her no kidding, hey. Yeah, and just to go to the billets. I know you're still close with your billets. I mean, I just went to put back to Spokane for a tournament over the over the winter and saw and saw mine again. Like, what an impactful group of people those those people are. You know, that choose to open up their homes to to young athletes coming in and and such a pivotal pivotal crucial like experience, right? Because if that experience yeah. isn't good, like everything else is is a wash, right? You, you might yeah. as well leave. So. I mean, one thank you to any billets out there that are listening. I know, you know, we're, we are so grateful. And and as now parents listening to this, like that is one thing. I mean, not all organizations are created equal, you know, with, with that aspect. Like know who the billets are and where your son or daughter is going to be going because, man, that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it totally is. Like I said, I, I lucked out. Like I always say that. I'm like, I couldn't have got a better place to stay. Like I said, it, if if I would have interviewed a hundred families. So it, it was, it was awesome. And I, I gained a lot because I'm, I have a, a lot bigger family. Their family is my family. And right. you know what I mean? Right. So who are, um, who are some of the older guys on that team that year? Like anyone that comes to mind as being, you know, good to you for you, you know, in that environment of being a 16 year old. Uh, we had some good guys. We had a guy named Dean McCammon that, you know, um, oh, okay. And he was, uh, I believe he was a 19 year old and a first round pick and obviously a big, big player in the league and, and moving on. And um, I got to know him real well and obviously have had a lot of respect and, and time for him. And, and he was, he was great as a role model, like to talk to me about the league and he'd been in there for four years as well. And, right. um, and that, so, so, I mean, he was, he was great to have, right? I mean, he'd been through it all and had been awesome. drafted and you obviously a guy you could look up to, right? At that, at that time. And then we had some other guys, a guy named Troy Jurdis, who was a 20 year old, who was a really good character guy. Mm -hmm. uh, 
that was there, Jeff Gorman. I mean, there, I don't, I think. You know, who I just looked at is Jared Bednar, who I actually interviewed on this. So Bedsy was there for 37 games there in his 20 year old year. Do you remember Bedsy at all? I do. I remember Beds really well. Yeah. And that's, and it's funny when we talk about the, that small world and guys moving on, all of a sudden he's, I see he's up as a head coach of the Avalanche and doing a great job. And I'm like, I love it. Like he's a, he's a great guy and yeah. uh, a great guy, you know, like he, yeah, I love to see that in those games. He, uh, he, um, and which I told him, and, and he was one of those guys when I was 16. So I, I got called up from Penticton, um, you know, when we were done playoffs or whatever. So I just turned 16. So I was able to go up for playoffs. Right. So I went up for playoffs with Spokane. Didn't know anyone there as of course, you know, and walk in the dressing room and it just, like I just remember Jared Bednar and like the next year he got traded early on in my like official 16 year old season. So we only played together maybe, you know, two months, maybe three months. But like he was really memorable for me. Like the way he treated me, his, his disposition, his demeanor, yeah, yeah, exactly. kind of like a dude kind of talked a little slower than maybe he thought you needed to, you know, like, <laughs> it was, and, and it was just like, it was, it was super cool, but obviously at the time you would never think, you know, fast forward 20 years, he's the head coach of the Colorado Avalanche. You know what I mean? It's like, it's crazy how that works. But like, but then when you put the pieces together, it's like, man, like he made me feel comfortable. He made yeah. you feel comfortable. Like he makes his players feel comfortable, I'm sure to this day, right? Like it's an easy, it's a good environment to be in, to thrive in. And it kind of makes sense, right? It's crazy. Yeah, totally. You can't, you, can't, you can't at all picture him being a yeller and a screamer. Like I'd love to talk to one of those guys and be like, has he ever yelled at anybody? Like he's just... He's so laid back and calm, and he played like that on the ice. And uh, so and I'm sure he does what he has to do as a coach or has his own way yeah. to motivate his guys and do stuff. But, yeah, you kind of laugh. And... Was it um, – I was going to uh, talk about that too. I mean, not only did you play at 16, though, after just getting listed. Like, you're a late birthday. So, I mean, you were technically – you started that season at 15, didn't you? Like, when is your birthday? Yeah, I was 15 when I came in until end of October, yeah. So right. It's a 15 year old that got beat up a few times by guys. <laughs> but, yeah, but I mean, I let them know nice work. You beat up a 15 year old. Yeah, real tough guy. That's good. Yeah, yeah even yeah. though I was probably one that deserved it, I let them know, you know, just right. get, I somehow get, get them back somehow. <laughs> yeah, 75 Pims, I see. I mean, that was a, I mean, we. <laughs> It's funny because at the time, again, like I, I listened to Terry Ryan's podcast a little bit, and I was a guest on there. And, and I mean, he yeah. he kind of breaks it down pretty good. I mean, he was he he was a tough guy in our league that you know scored fifty goals that one yeah. year and still had over yeah. two hundred minutes. But like, it was tough. Like, and I know probably before us, that's the thing. Like before us, it was probably tougher. But like, we were played at a tough time. Like that league was tough. There was big tough guys, and you couldn't be timid or meek in that in that league at all. You know? Yeah, no, no, exactly. That's. Yeah, you had to try and try and like I said, I I tried to stick up my, for myself a little bit, but I, I didn't usually do too well. I think I came home on Christmas with a black eye, and then I another one like a, every picture I saw from when I was fifteen and sixteen, I had black eyes and cuts, and I'm like didn't fare too well. But at least you you try and <laughs> try and stick up for yourself a little bit at least. So guys, maybe wow, well, the guy will stick up for himself. Maybe we won't bother with him right now or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of it right I mean it's interesting too because I when I, I was talking to that guest last night like I said and he was he was a tough guy himself kind of in the you know uh, c central league he played in and yeah 
And he just said, like, it's interesting now, like trying to build a culture because like when we were younger, it was it was built into us. Right. Be and not because we had to fight, but because there was that element of like sticking up for each other, too. You know, like yeah. if it was, if you weren't fighting for yourself, you were fighting for your line mate. And I found myself doing that more so than anything else. Right. Like yeah, somebody would come to my aid, but I was always there like to I wanted to show that I'd go to bat for somebody else. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, uh, it was right. Just yeah. try and try and. Yeah, like you said, you're just trying to show like you're a team guy. You're the, you know, you'll stick up for yourself. You're there for your teammates, and and it and it was a different game. Like not that you know the guys before us probably said the same thing, right? They, I remember them talking, and they were having full of bench brawls and warm up. Like we we didn't really have that that I ever remember, right? Like they were having that stuff where they were going across taking each other's pucks and warm up, and then there'd yeah. be a full bench brawl. Like so, the game's obviously evolved and changed over time we play like, whether you like it or not i guess like i still think it's a great game it's just it's changed a little bit right it's not quite as as heavy and fight oriented and that but that's that's the world the world's changing yeah. so yeah and like dan dan yesterday like my, my guest like i was saying he said it was hard it's harder for him to teach that culture because like something as simple and as basic as that like like standing yeah. up for somebody just it hasn't really been taught and they don't know they're supposed to do it Right. Yeah. So like, I actually have to teach that. He's like, for us, we knew that from like the time we were Adams that we had to stand up yeah. for our teammates. Right. So he's like, yeah, we're, we're a team. And if they, you know, someone yeah. spray snow on your goalie that someone else is going to tackle them. Right. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> right? Right. it was known, but uh, yeah. like it, it, it was probably too far one way when we were there. Oh, and, and even before that, right? And so it, it's it's gotten better. And and I mean, like, obviously, let's not kid ourselves. The toughness is still in the game. There's no question. There's plenty of guys out there that it's still there and that physicalness it's just it's just shown different now i think yeah. and, you know we um i'm gonna ask this but i i think it's obvious that it wasn't the case but you, you guys had the split warm-ups as well in the east division right like where you would like the visiting team would go on first for warm-up and then the home team would go on yeah for yeah. games that yeah. is like the guys like when i i i I had no reason to talk about it, but then it's funny because now they don't do that anymore. Right. And they're like, you guys did what? Like, why would you do that? And I'm like, well, because the other team would steal the net of the other team's players. And then there'd be brawls, like you said, like, so for those listening, like this actually happened in the WHL, like the teams were so tough that during warmup, some of the guys, and this wouldn't happen in every time, but some of the big rivalries would go down and grab the other team's net so they could warm up both goalies at the same time while the other team wouldn't have a net. <laughs> And they'd wait and see if anybody if anybody had the uh, the eggs to go back down and get the other net. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so then, yeah, I mean, there there was brawls and there's this, there was that. So the the way the league the league solved it, the solved the problem was that the home team would have to warm up. Like what was it, forty minutes before the start of the game? Like it was the most ridiculous yeah. thing, and it was a full ice warm up. So like you're doing horseshoe, like end to back, like you're bagged by the time you come off, and, and then uh, like an hour before the game started. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you have to wait, like whatever it was, for the other team to warm up, and then for all the pregame stuff to happen. And it was like it might, you might as well not even have had the damn warm up. But anyways, I'm glad they got back to normal. But that's that's when we played. Like the, the yeah, that was, that was due to the, the group just before us that got that going, and then yeah. <laughs> so uh, funny so yeah i mean so super cool so you're 16 in the in the in the dub um an un, an undrafted dub player that three years later is now seventh overall pick like that's a fast ascension man to like the hierarchies of best 18 year olds in the world like did you see yourself going through that kind of metamorphosis transformation evolution like whatever word you want to call it like were you just getting that much better every year 
again, I don't know. Like you always look back. I don't, I mean, obviously I had the talent to do it and I put up some good numbers those last few years and that. So, but you don't, I don't know if you look at it and think like, you know, I just obviously wanted to improve each year. And I, and, and again, I had a goal in mind and I knew, you know, I, when my draft year was, and if I could get in and do these sort of things and just get, get drafted was the goal, obviously, like yeah. that's your chance, right? Like that's what you tell people is that that's your, and then honestly, it, getting drafted in the first round where I did or getting drafted in the third, fourth or fifth, like it's still an opportunity, right? Like everyone says, like, I make it more kicks at the cat being a, in, in the first round where, you know, if I don't kind of fulfill my expectations, maybe they're like, ah, he's, you know, give him a chance. Like he'll get there where maybe someone in the later round, they may not, but ultimately that it's a chance is a chance, right? You're yeah. getting picked in the fifth round, you're going to camp. And I mean, I, I played with a guy, Shane Knighty, who you probably remember. And I think he was a fifth round pick and played up as a 20 year old as an overage in PA. And all of a sudden went on to play, I don't know, 600 games did he play or more right. like and had a great career and now he's doing color for anaheim i believe and and it's just a chance right as, as you know like you i'm not telling you something you don't know i mean yeah. people listening that maybe don't don't understand it that's it it's a chance so for me it was just like get the right. get that and i mean obviously i got drafted high which was exciting and yeah and, well, let's talk about that though so like when when did because, okay, I mean, and again, so I like that's the, the storytelling of it, right? I mean, you're playing double A uh, as a 15-year-old at the Provincials. You get drafted. You become a 16-year-old. You play. I mean, you don't, you play fine. I mean, I probably weren't getting tons of minutes, right? 20 points yeah. your first year. Yeah. Next yeah. year, yeah, next year you show up, which is your year before your draft, which was my draft year, right? Which now for the first time in your life, it's an advantage to have a late birthday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? It's I think serious. so, yeah. Crazy. Well, I was a late bloomer to be honest with you like I wasn't I was a smaller kid like when I got to the league I was I think that year I was about 5'11 155 pounds when I was 15 so going into the western league right and yeah you're playing guys 220 230 guys that are so I needed that time to put some meat on and fill out and uh so having that late birthday for me was a huge advantage yeah getting that extra yeah. year to, to develop yeah. Yeah. And to establish yourself. Right. I mean, that was a thing like even for for me and I was I mean, I was kind of pegged to go maybe first round. Right. When I was my, my start of my draft. But we had a hell of a good hockey team. So you have these 19 and 20 year olds you know, that, that are ahead of you and you're still only 17 years old, second yeah. year in the league. You know, what I mean, like I was struggling to get on a power play. I was struggling to, to get big minutes. Right. So yeah. having that third year. Right. That third year is like a big year because, you now you, the coach knows you at your own coach. You've established yourself. Right. Yeah. You get big minutes you can when I was, the second, year center. I was yeah. the second center on that team that year which again like you said I wasn't as a 17 year old I was you know the third string guy kind of maybe not getting really any power play minutes and getting you know what I mean like yeah. it's kind of where the next year when you get into that second line center I was playing behind uh, Dennis Peterson who was yeah. a first rounder and, and and a great player and it was his you know third or fourth year so he yeah he was logging the 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 main minutes, but I was right there. So yeah, you got, you know, you get that time, that power play, that penalty kill. Yeah. Us. So, I mean, and so when did you start knowing, like, not only are you going to get drafted, but you're going to be like lots, I mean, the spotlight's kind of on you almost. I mean, you can't just all of a sudden drive at the draft and show up and be seventh overall. There had to be some point there where you're like, holy smokes, man, like I'm, 
batting with the big boys here. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they do their rankings and everything, and when you know you start to get word and. You know, I had an agent that before that year, so he starts to tell you kind of what's going on, and and yeah, and then the realization sinks in. I'm like, Jesus, I could actually get picked in the first round. That's crazy. Like it's nuts. But whatever, I'm gonna keep playing, and you know, and and as the season goes, like you said, you watch the rankings and you, you play, and 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 again, it's it was obviously exciting, but yeah, I didn't. It wasn't something I thought. Gee, like oh yeah, I'm a I'm a stud here. Like I still yeah. kind of thought. Jesus, I'm, I'm fooling somebody here. I don't know what's going on. I'm yeah. You don't think it affected you then? Like you don't think it, it affected you in a negative way or, or a positive way kind of? It's just, I, I mean, that was happening in the background. It's exciting. Yeah. I mean, remember those years and they were exciting, right? That draft year. And, and again, you know, and then guys know that have been through it. Like it's, you're excited like to, to be able to hopefully get drafted, right? That's your dream. That was my dream as a kid. Still like it non-stop dream and so just to get drafted like man the nhl team's gonna pick me like that's you know i know amazing right. so cool. yeah still, they still look back and I'm like that's what i wanted right like that's yeah. so yeah what so was now, the expectation level like killer going into that like because i've told that story only a couple times here but like for me my 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 draft year personally was disappointing. I scored less goals than I did as a 16 year old, right? And it, w- it wasn't a great year. And there's other stuff that went on. But even still, going into that draft, um, I was most places had me as a first rounder, like somewhere, right? Like yeah. I was going to be a first rounder. And then I had this amazing meeting with Toronto, where like Cliff Fletcher actually told me to my face that he was going to trade up for me to get me like in the 10th or 11th position, right? So like yeah. I went into draft day thinking I was going to be. 10, 11, 12 kind of, right? And then that never happened. I didn't find out till later why, and I went 31. Now, 31 to anyone listening here is like amazing, right? Like (laughs) if you'd have told me that like whenever, when I was 12, I would have loved it. But because it was going to be 10 or 11, I was, it was like actually one of the worst days of my life. I mean, I was really, really rattled, right? Like it was upsetting to me. Did you have an expectation going into the draft for you? Like, was it, did you go above where you thought? Did you go where you thought you were going to go? Or how do you be honest with you? My story is the opposite of yours, then, because I, I didn't expect ever to go as high as I went. Like, I kind of, but by the time draft time comes, like I, I was pretty much assured I would be in the first round. Like I knew that. Um, you just know, right? You talk to teams, your agent knows. Yeah. Um, but I didn't expect to go where I went. Like I, I don't know why, or if I had in my head that I'd be in between like ten and twenty, or. Or somewhere in there and that's kind of what I thought and then all of a right. sudden and I think and I honestly think you know I got picked by Edmonton in the in the sixth spot or whatever and we got six that's right yeah and I and I and I think it was to do with my skating was what got me into that spot was that you know I was ranked as I, I believe probably the fastest skater in the draft of that year kind of and that was my big asset kind of that that I brought so Edmonton was all about speed in those years and and I think that's honestly why I, I got into that spot with them was because yeah. of that. Yeah. Do you so. remember that? Do you remember your interview with them being particularly good, or do you have any good good uh, stories about the, your draft interview process? You know what? I never did interview with them. Really? <laughs> no, I did. I did. Uh, I did a circuit like prior to the draft. There, they do it with kind of first round, I guess, potential picks or whatever. And we did a big, we did a big circuit and I was out with, I was out with a whole bunch of different, you know, Doan and Aginla and a bunch of guys. We were all out doing the circuit of teams and, 
I mean, I had some real, I had some real doozies for sure. Like at San Jose, I was out in Brainerd. I remember in Minnesota, which you may have gone as well. And it was, it was a real strange one, like sitting in almost a, I was out of this camp doing Rocky training. Um, you know, I, I don't even know where Brainerd is, to be honest with you. I, I, I need to look it up on a map. So I don't, I, but I just remember we're at some sort of a camp doing Rocky training. And then next thing I know, I'm sitting in a, in a classroom and I got guy, I'm sitting in a desk and I'm surrounded by like four guys in a semicircle and they're all firing questions at me. And I remember sitting there and I still, I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever been a part of. Like, it's, this is really weird. Like it's the questions they were asking and, you know, and, and I'm trying to answer them and you know, you're, you, you know, how old are you? 17? Like I was, yeah. or whatever. like it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. So that, I mean, that was a strange day, but you know, you just go around and do your tests and Winnipeg was in the league that time. So, so, I mean, I did, I did an odd one with them too, with some weird fitness testing, but I mean, it, each team had their own thing. So I yeah, wasn't know. that strange though? Like for, for me, for me, I remember like going into some of those meetings and wondering why they ever called me in in the first place. Like, it was like, you clearly have no intention of like drafting me. Like you're ripping me and you ass like the entire time. Right. Like, you know, and it's like, sure. They could be testing you, but it's like, it was almost borderline. Some of them like rude, you know, like, like why are you doing this? Right. And then other guys you think are great. And like, sometimes there's one guy in the room. Sometimes there's like 10, right. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's so strange the way that, I, that every team handled that so much differently. Totally was, yeah. That's funny. Okay, we're just going to take a short break here from that conversation with Steve. I hope you were enjoying it as much as I was enjoyed having it. And I wanted to thank you and acknowledge you for one listening and two for those of you who have taken the time to pause the episode, to write a quick review, to give a rating, to share the episode on your social media, to tag somebody that you think might enjoy this. Uh, That is what it's all about because we need to get this info, all this great stuff, all this human aspect of hockey into more ears and into more hearts uh, because it's just stuff that we don't usually talk about enough. And I'm really proud of the guests I'm bringing on here. I'm really proud of the content that we are choosing to talk about, uh, choosing to shine some light on. And those of you who have done your part, uh, you're helping, right? Because more people are able to hear it. It helps the algorithms on the search engines. It helps uh, move the uh, the podcast up in the index rankings of whether it's Spotify or Google or Apple. So everything helps. I appreciate it. And I did promise to read a review. Uh, Wgretz99. Love the handle. If that's actually Wayne Gretzky, my goodness, I really appreciate you listening, Wayne. And if not, it don't matter at all uh, because he was a goat. And uh, Gretz99 says... Jason and Up My Hockey continues to deliver quality content. Jason's program is unlike many of the other pro hockey podcasts as it focuses on what it takes to make it in a very tough industry. Great laughs, great guests. Keep it up, Jason. So thank you, Wayner, for that amazing review. Uh, There's others coming up there. I see the shares. Always tag me in the shares. Uh, Always tag me in the posts. I really appreciate it. I love to comment and spread the word as well and acknowledge you. So without further ado let's bring you back to steve kelly in the conversation thanks so much guys and you mean you already mentioned a couple of those names which is crazy like shane doan went seven you went six 
Shane obviously when you know, goes on to play whatever 1400 games. Jerome McGinley, who I just ran into the other day and a world junior team member of mine, you know, just yeah. welcomed into the Hall of Fame. Goes <laughs> yeah. 11, you know, like isn't that wild? Like, do you do you look back on that at any point and be like, like it's I don't know, like not to be rude with it at all. I, mean, I played 41 games, you played 160 or whatever, but like. Do you think, like, did something not go right? Do you think, like, did something just happen for them? Or is it just the way things happen with development? Or or how do you think, well, I, like, it's such I a different... Know. You know what? It's like, we, I mean, we've talked briefly about stuff. And obviously, all hockey guys knowing internal. And I don't ever think, oh, I got screwed around or, or things changed or, or anything like that. I mean, um, for those guys, I always thought, I always thought, Jerome was a heck of a player in junior. I mean, you probably remember him even more than me, but I remember seeing him and I'm like, I always thought when he got picked, like, why did it, they wait so long to pick him? Like, I thought right. some of the notes are off. Like when the draft came and he went 11th or whatever, I was like, this guy would have been a top five to me, like from what I know of him and, yeah. you know, playing against him and all that yeah. stuff over the years and, and, and know him well. And so, yeah, he was I mean, a yeah, I always thought he was better than he was, and and as for Donor too, he's a heck of a player, and and I and I honestly think Donor went into a great situation in Winnipeg, like where they kept him right away and really developed him, and and I know he didn't have any real big years for the first few years, like he was just there, and they just kept developing him, and and I think and I think honestly, like situation does matter a little bit when it comes to hockey when you're going in, it's just like we're talking a step up from the Western League that development and you get in a situation and I got in a situation in Prince Albert where they were the best team in the league the year before I got there and they lost 17 players or 15 players. So we came in and there was about 15 rookies or whatever that year. And we, I think we were last, we didn't make playoffs, but we got to play a little bit. Right. And so that, so, I mean, that situation, and then all of a sudden, you know, by my, I, I'm now four years in and I'm, I'm the star of the team kind of thing and playing. So yeah. that situation where maybe if I'd gone to Kamloops that I thought was so great, well, maybe I don't play. <laughs> like maybe I don't even, I don't make the team even that year. Right. Like yeah. Right. where, yeah. And you look at the same when it comes to NHL, as you know, that that situation you get in and you look at, you know, teams like Detroit, I know, you know, Ken Holland really well on that. They were known for really developing guys for all those years and they built within. Right. And they, had those guys developed them, built them and all those guys they had, right. I mean, you look at the McCarty's and the Drapers and I mean, for the most part, they were average players at the start and they became really good players, right. Where they may not have been a different organization. So, I mean, that, that always plays into it. Right. But it's not like you, you put blame on it or I'm, I feel no, like no, I yeah. you know, somebody here or whatever, because I make my own decisions and, you know, there's things I would have changed along the way that probably hurt me that I did. And you look back, so it is what it is. I mean, you know, yeah. like the, the way, the way, the, the way life works, right? You're, yeah. Some days you, you get more than you deserve. Other days, maybe you get screwed over other day. Like that's just, that's the life in general, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, for sure, man. And, and I, and I echo you in the sense of the accountability side, right? I mean, it's, it's on, the accountability is on the player and, and, you know, we did whatever we did or didn't do. Right. Yeah. Um, but if we, I mean, without taking that extreme 100% ownership, there is elements of luck. There is elements of situational 
yeah. um, opportunity, right? There's elements of like organization, who likes you, who doesn't. Like there's a lot of nuances when you take off the layers of, okay, it's all on me as the player, right? Like yeah, there's, oh, yeah. there's stuff that happens. And a guy I like that I like to talk about is like Mark Stone, right? Who's now like a very, very rich hockey player. Um, <laughs> who who was i mean who played on ottawa for a while but like ottawa like there was a lot of guys in that ottawa team that wouldn't have made any other team in the nhl but they were just that bad for so long you know yeah. and essentially was able to develop within that system and now i mean now he is like a full-fledged star nhl player and there's other guys like that but I, he just comes to mind right away where it's like he might have not even he could be in the ahl still if he was if he was with somebody else you know but now yeah. he's making you know eight million a year doing his thing and it's like that's interesting the way that happens for different guys. And even a guy like Wade Redden, who I had on here earlier, um, you know, second overall. Yeah. He said like that first year in Ottawa, he's like, I, I knew that I was going to go back on the ice if I made a mistake. He goes, I, 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 there was no place for them to put me. He's like, and, and I, and that made my existence there, like being playing with these older guys, like that much easier. I could play into myself. Right. Yeah. Um, and so some guys get that chance and that's a real nice chance. Some guys don't and they make the most of it with the one or two games. Right. Like, I would have loved to have had an opportunity like wait a little bit more, right? Where it wasn't like I felt like every little thing I did wrong was like an excuse to send me down, you know? Like, but then you look at Wade, even right? Like I, I know Wade super well too, and a heck of a hockey player, and and we actually roomed together at the draft, him and I. Um, but you look at him and look at his career, and I'm sure you guys might have talked about the end of his career when after he has those good years and develops and becomes a, a stud and, and was a great player in the NHL and signs that big deal in New York. And then all of a sudden they don't like him and they blackball him and see you later. Right. Like yeah. that's the, like, that's the game. Right. And he, and he's yeah. probably sitting going, what happened? Like what? I'm, I'm the same guy you just signed to a $36 million contract. And now you don't like me. Like it's, yeah. you know, no, or no, whatever. No new coach doesn't like me or the GM or whatever. I don't know the, yeah. the whole story with that, but then it just, that changes. Right. So, yeah. so he, you know, he might look back and go, man, I should have maybe should have signed that deal with another team or I should have stayed in Ottawa. I'm sure he looks back and goes, yeah. you know, or is it there, there's something, I wish I would have done something different or I could have changed, but is what it is. Right. There's a double-edged sword there too, for him too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Was like, yeah, yeah, there's definitely things he could have done. Like, of course, just to be better, right. To play yeah. better. Like, he was changing yeah. his career and that sort of thing. But what, uh, let's, let's talk about your step now into, into the NHL. I mean, it, you, it looks like you, your last, last experience there in junior was pretty solid. Like going, you guys went deep, deep run in the playoffs there. Yeah. Um, I think you guys lost to Brandon, if I'm not correct. Right. Yeah, the last two years we we would have gone to the Memorial Cup. Yeah, both years. Yeah, because Brandon it was in Kamloops, so the East yeah. team obviously went. And then uh, the next year Brandon went again, and the East was far and away better, I think. So, right. And, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, but you had you had some really good points there. So, and you're but it, my that's my point being. I mean, you have 31 points in 18 playoff games there. 100 points during the regular season like awesome two awesome accomplishments so you you seventh over i mean sixth overall pick you're feeling probably like ready to go right like i'm going into camp that next year and your your sights are set on making the on the nhl team and yeah. I, I don't know i didn't know if you if they assigned you to hamilton first and then you got some time in edmonton or did you start with edmonton got sent down to hamilton how did that work uh no i got sent down after camp and gotcha. then uh yeah sent down to hamilton after camp in the american league yeah yeah. So, Did you have a good camp? Did you think you were close or how do you remember that being? You know what, honestly, I, I don't remember. Like, I don't think I was ready to be honest with you. If I, if I remember right, like, I think I, 
needed some time to develop in that pro game. Like it's a whole, yeah. whole different game, a faster game, a bigger game, you know? Yeah. And, and I think I do remember being disappointed, but, but knowing kind of this is where I should be. Like I didn't, I wasn't that guy that should be playing at 19, right? There are, there are those guys out there. It wasn't me. So, yeah. so I think, um, yeah, I, I knew that was the right kind of spot. You know, obviously anytime you get cut, you're disappointed, right? You want to yeah. go there and make something and you got pride and confidence and that, but uh, whatever it was, was how it went. And I kind of knew that was what was probably the best. What, um, how was that transi- transition for you to, into, into the AHL? And then you did get your, you know, your first taste of the NHL there that same season. But how was, uh, how was Hamilton and, and that experience of, of playing pro? It was good. It was, it was, it was awesome. I mean, we had, that was the first year that the American League team was in Hamilton. So we were playing at Cops Coliseum and I mean, we were packing that arena, right? Like we were 12,000 people a night in, in some of those games in that rink for playing there, which was a lot of fun, right? It's like you're playing in the NHL and, yeah. uh, and we had a young team full of rookies. Like we were a team that, I mean, at the end of that year, we went to the Calder Cup finals um in the american league but i mean we had a team of a whole pile of you know i mean guys that played sean brown george LaRock. i mean um trying to steve passmore a friend of yours was in goal we had had a a lot of guys that were you know dennis bonvi and ralph internuvo and and you go on like a good team but a lot of young guys and guys that all went on to play but it was just a lot of fun a lot of fun yeah. yeah, Marco Tuomainen was on that team too. Brian Muir, Scott yeah. Ferguson, gosh, Terrence yeah. Samuels, a lot of guys there for West the, Coast, right? Yeah, all these guys back when they closed Rexall, they had the last game in Rexall and reunion, and all those guys came up too. So it was a lot of fun a few years ago. And even Jason Bond Senior, who you were a part of a deal with later in your career there. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. What was uh, what was your? I mean. People who are involved in hockey will remember that name, especially in, in our era back in the 90s. But for those who are listening now, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll share what I thought of him. I remember like Bond Sr. was this this name uh, out of the States that was like kind of supposed to be the second coming of, of who knows what. There was a lot of comparisons to Mary Lemieux at the time, um, kind of looked big, was a big, really good hand, smooth skater. And I remember seeing him. Uh, at that Pacific Cup when when we made the under 17, I think it was, or something for, for my year. And uh, we went to Japan as the Team Canada yeah. and saw him practice. I remember being against the glass and I was like, holy smokers, is this guy good, right? Like he <laughs> he really blew me away. I was like, this guy's good. He's the best. He, he, to that point, like even like the guys that I was playing with, I mean, they, they were all peers. There was nobody that I thought I wasn't, you know, on the same page with, right? Yeah. Like, Jeff O'Neill and Weimer and Lankow and all these guys, right? Like I'd been with them forever. And I'm like, I mean, these are my peers. I'm, I'm, I can play with these guys, but like Bun senior, there's just something about him when I was watching him. I'm like, God, he seems better than everybody, you know? And, uh, and he got drafted real high, but then he was one of these guys that just kind of never could never sort of put it together for whatever reason. Like what was, what was your impression of him? One as a player and two, I guess, as the guy. Uh, He was a good guy. I mean, I, I got traded with him, as you mentioned from Edmonton to Tampa Bay and then him and I lived together for a brief period at the end of that season when we got traded and, and, and good guy as most every hockey guy I've played with for the most part, they're good guys, right? Like he, um, and as for a player, like you said, I mean, you described him pretty well. He's a big skilled guy and you'd watch him some games and like, wow, he's done, does some 
crazy good stuff for a big man that you know with his hands and whatever and then and then other games he just wasn't there so I don't know I mean I think his work ethic was probably what hurt him is my thoughts like if anything and I hate you know slandering guys or whatever that's not um but for me that I would say you know to me that's the biggest thing in your career it really is like is your work ethic like that's what I tell my kids like and for me that's the only reason I actually even made it anywhere it wasn't my skill it was just working like working 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 relentlessly and if things aren't good then you work harder right and you'll 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 get your payback right you'll you'll get what you're what you're owed and work ethic back um but for him I think that was it right it was more the the show than it was the work and but great guy and 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 had skill and bundles and you know had had all those those things i think if you just would have you know played you know worked harder and competed harder i think he'd have been a mainstay for a long time well you know what i think and just bring it back to the beginning of our conversation and again i don't know him but like what i because i did kind of do some i followed him a little bit right and talked to people that had been around him and sounded like his his real love was motocross so so maybe it wasn't like maybe it wasn't enough fun for him like the love for hockey wasn't really what it could have been or should have been right which drives you to do those little extra things right yeah, so you're totally right. He did. He loved motocross, and I didn't know anything about it till I actually lived with him. And he owned a whole pile of bikes and a track, even I think. And yeah, yeah, um, yeah, those motorbikes that you basically skid around the corners on. I I, I know nothing about them, and but loved <laughs> loved it. Just you just do basically skids in a big circle. I think I, I that's, as, <laughs> that's as far as I that's as far as I know. I watched it. And I'm like, is there any jumps? Like I watched. <laughs> I'm like, does anybody do any jumps? Do you do any flips? Do you do anything? Like, this doesn't look very fun. You just skid around the track for 30 minutes, I guess. I don't know, but, but he loved it. Yeah, he owned he owned a whole pile of them and a track and, and loved it. Yeah. So maybe you're right. That could have been his right. his thing, right? Like in hockey was a means to that for him, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Walk me through your first goal. So you get called up. What game was it in that you got that you got your you got your tuck in the NHL? Or your first tuck, sorry. I think it was my third game. So I got uh, in Phoenix um, on Hockey Night in Canada, actually. Yeah, so I, I uh, got a, I don't even remember what it was. I'd like to say it was a couple dangles and a shell for something, but I think I probably whacked it three times in front of the net and scored like everyone tells, it, you know, has something in yeah. their mind or their goal. But irregardless, it was a goal. And, uh, and, yeah. uh, I got interviewed on Hockey Night in Canada and got the old Hockey Night towel and the whole works and everybody at home got probably saw it and so it was it was, it was pretty cool and then and then I decided that I was a I guess that I was a real star all of a sudden and slept in had some drinks and beers and slept in the next morning and missed the team bus and to the airport and <laughs> yeah yeah missed that and and uh, yeah didn't hear the end of that for a while missed that thing and. Yeah, race to the race. Remember racing to the airport, giving the cabbie a hundred dollars and saying, "Hey, like, you know, you're gonna get a big tip if you can get me there very quickly ahead of it, you know, for this time and whatever." And then I arrived not long after the team bus, and yeah, got pretty much chirped and for the next week. By yourself, or was it your roommate too? No, no, it was by myself. My roommate, I can't remember who it was, went down for breakfast and grabbed his stuff and. You know, and and I said, yeah, I'll be there and whatever, and went back to sleep. And I guess after you know staying up late and celebrating my what my first goal and 
telling everybody, telling everybody how great I was or who knows what. <laughs> oh my goodness, killer. Welcome to the NHL. You must yeah, have been petrified. You must have been oh, petrified. I was absolutely petrified. Yep. I was, yeah, like like you said, flying. Like I would have given that cabbie a thousand dollars to for him to get me there. Like <laughs> oh wow. So did, did what about the coaches? Did you hear anything from them? No, they were pretty good. We had uh, Ronnie Lowe was our head coach, and and he's a really, really good guy, like small town, down to earth guy. And I mean, I think they just liked it more because they could, you know, bust my balls about it for relentlessly as much as they wanted, and I wouldn't say a word. So, so that was really it. I got chirped about that, and I think I got issued a a small team fine, and right. away you go. So right, and so then you uh, so that was your third game. So you played five more games. It wasn't like you know that impacted necessarily you know you going back to the minors or anything because of it. So it was it was yeah. it wasn't that big of a deal. Oh my gosh, my I, I have a bad feeling in my stomach just listening to that. I can imagine your third game in the NHL and you missed the team oh. bus. Oh <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. yeah that's... Did you um did you stay up there then the rest of the year? Because I, I just see like you had forty eight games and then eight games in the show, which you I mean I'm missing thirty games somewhere. Were you injured or were you just a scratch in somewhere or what what happened there? Um, I'm trying. No, I played. So that year, I got called up and played the end of the season. So I played the last few games and playoffs. So that was the year that we beat Dallas in the first round in Edmonton. Yeah. When we were the eighth seed and Dallas was the number one seed, we knocked them yeah. off in seven. So yeah. I played the last few games like that year. I scored. It would have been, I think, I believe, the last few games, and then and then played a couple rounds of playoffs. And then there was about four of our five of us that got sent back to Hamilton, and then we ended up joining them and going to the Calder Cup in Hamilton. And gotcha. then the next year, I started the year in Edmonton and played whatever games before I got traded up till Christmas or something. Gotcha. Oh, okay. So you made the team out of camp there. So you guys lost in the Calder Cup final? Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Who'd you lose to? Hershey. Hershey. Yeah, they had a good squad that year too, I think. Oh, I remember really that. Yeah. Yeah. Far the time and they were yeah. they were stacked. So yeah. Was Lars on that team? Brad Larson? I believe he was. Yeah. Like, I believe, yeah. Like back, but he could have been, yeah. Right. So okay, so you and then so you make the team out of camp the next season. That next season, I, I just my own curiosity, I was like, wow, like you were in four different teams. Like so, you made Edmonton out of camp, and uh, one of five different teams. So that was the year you got traded. Oh, okay, so yeah, so how did that all work? So you had a good camp, you finished the, the season good, you're feeling good, like you're in the NHL, you're an NHLer now, and like walk that, and that changed quickly. Yeah, that after that year, that was a year when I remember thinking to myself, I'm like is this hockey profession that great? Like, I don't, I don't know if I like this profession that much. Like it was, uh, yeah, I got traded, got traded to Tampa. And then in Tampa, Tampa didn't have a farm team. Um, so they basically had people in Cleveland, I believe, and maybe Adirondack. Mm -hmm. Cleveland in the IHL, Adirondack in the AHL. But they had, they were Adirondack was full, so when they sent me down, they didn't need anybody. Cleveland was, I went to Cleveland, I believe, and played in the yeah, IHL. Cleveland. Yeah. So then you're playing in the IHL, and that's an older league. Like you're against a bunch of guys that are 30s, and I'm 20, 21, and so I went there. Then called back up to Tampa, 
then sent down again, but now Cleveland was full. So, cause they were getting guys from other places. So I believe I went to Milwaukee for a handful of games. Yeah. And so I was on another new team and then, yeah. And then back up to Tampa or whatever. And you had five teams that year, man. Yeah. So it was like a handful of games. And, and I, and I mean, basically I was, I, I had a, I had a place in Tampa. I think I had a place in Hamilton. I had a place at home. I had a, couple hotels with stuff in it like it was it was ridiculous so I remember thinking to myself and 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 I was making next to no money because at that time I was uh you're on a two-way contract and and it's Canadian because I signed in Edmonton so the minor league money is Canadian so I was making $75,000 Canadian after taxes and then in the U.S. living in the U.S. on the things like just making nothing and living out of a bag in a hotel. And I remember that year ended and I was almost like, yeah, if I have another year like this, this is not going to, I'm not going to be doing this job much longer. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, did you see that trade coming at all? Like, was there anything, was there writing on the wall at all or, or did you get yeah, blindsided by it? No, there was, there was, I mean, the, you know, the Canadian media being in Toronto, I mean, that's the hardest, one of the hardest places that Montreal, probably in the country, but the Canadian media is pretty hard on guys, obviously when stuff's going on and, and I wasn't playing that well, I guess. And I wasn't playing a lot and obviously being a first round pick, the media was all over me for a while. So, um, you know, once I think they got wind that, you know, saying I was on the trade blocks or this and that. So there was a, a good period of weeks there where or months even that before saying that it was half or could happen or this and that and all the speculation. Right. So, yeah, and then it just, I think it happened right after the Christmas break, actually. They, the, you get a mandated break after Christmas where they can't move anybody. Yeah. And then the 27th or 8th, when the season started again after Christmas that year, I got moved to Tampa. So so what, what do you think, that, uh, as far as you, I mean, uh, with you and, and, and the league, and you said you weren't playing that well, like, can you put yourself back in that, you know, being 20 years old? I think you're 20 years old there that, that season, started 20 years old. Like, you're still young. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of crazy yeah. that they're on you that hard. Um, again, yeah. Shane Doan, I was watching, you, we brought up Shane Doan. His second year, he's fourth line, not playing at all. You know, like, they actually yeah. sent him down to Springfield his third year, you know, yeah. like, to let him yeah. go and come back. So, I mean, like, so where do you think, you, like, where was your game at at that time and what was going well or what wasn't going well? Um, to be honest, that's one of those ones when I look back and, and uh, I had a lot of friends around there. Like I grew up obviously in BC and real close. So I had friends coming to the game steady and people. And and I think I kind of lost my focus at that time. And I was more in with the having fun and being in the NHL and making right. money and living that life. And, you know, game would end and I was just looking forward to the game ending so I could go meet my buddies all and, have beers and you know like that was the, that was the stuff right and, it, and by no means was I, was I out of control but I think you know I I take some of the blame thinking I should have been if I look back again being young like I should have been that's the time when you need to be really focused and driven and yeah. put aside that other stuff right that can come later when you've established yourself or when you're you know in that spot so I mean I take some of the blame for that and I'm sure that hurt my game right when you're right when you're out doing that and your focus isn't where it should be. So, and that's just, that's just immaturity at a young age. Right. And you look yeah. back. So, well, so yeah, I mean, it's like, again, it's tough. I mean, you're 20 years old and, and I think it's, 
it's uh yeah your focus becomes being a part of the nhl as opposed to being in the nhl you know what i mean like what comes yeah. with that whole thing of wearing an yeah. nhl jersey right and yeah. and yeah you're up and you're making good money and especially i can imagine being at home i can totally re relate to that right it's like it's sort of the lifestyle you can get caught up in in it a little bit um or distracted by it however you want to say it right but it's like yeah. it's it's not maybe where your focus should be i i look back sometimes and think like i never my parents were amazing. I know you're close with your dad too, but it wasn't, I didn't really have a support unit of, of to say, you know, like of like, there was no mentor kind of knocking me on the shoulder saying, Hey, you know I mean? Maybe you should uh, be a good idea if you went to practice maybe 45 minutes early tomorrow. And you know, you know what I mean? Like this, there was none of that. It was like, I was sort of doing my thing and trying to figure it out in the moment. Were you yeah. sort of like that as well? Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. That's, that's, that's exactly right. And it's not like, I mean, it, to be honest with you, it's not like if someone was telling me that, I might not have listened to it. <laughs> like, right. like, right? Like, you don't have, you know, my dad didn't have that experience of a pro sport or whatever. And I was pretty, um, I don't know what the word is, not self-sufficient, but I was pretty. Yeah, independent. Individual. Yeah, independent, I guess. Yeah, that's the word, right? Yeah. So you do your own thing. But you're right. Like, if you had, if you had somebody, yeah, that was probably just telling you that stuff. Like, look, hey these are the things you're going to need to do right now and, you know, have that talk with you, or these are the ways you're going to need to kind of navigate this early stage of your career. Right. Because yeah. again, we, we, we had this brief chat just before getting on this thing about there's so many guys, right. That are playing nowadays that, that they don't care. Like if I'm not playing, well, there's, there's 10 more guys that are ready to go. Right. Like there's not, there's not, you know what I mean? The, I, we weren't the Sidney Crosby, like he, he gets a break. He gets the time. Like there's a few of those guys, but those bottom two lines of guys, they're interchangeable, right? Like that's, yeah. you gotta know that you got that's the mindset that you gotta have. Right. And I didn't have that. Right. Like I just had in my mind that, Oh yeah, I'm here now. I'm, I'll stay <laughs> like, I'll be yeah. here. Right? I can do what I want more or less. Right. Like that's <laughs> as bad as that sounds like, not that you're, you're arrogant, but you just, you're, you're at that age and that's what you think. Right. Where yeah. that isn't the case. Like it isn't no, the case. True. 100% true. I can relate to that. Like 100% because, um, I mean, I don't know if it was because of like, maybe my trajectory, like our trajectory was a little bit different. You ended up going higher than me, but like you said, like I was kind of the guy in minor hockey and I was yeah. always sort of the guy. And I just thought that I was going to be the guy that played in the NHL. Like that yeah. was just, there wasn't really any other way I thought about it. And it wasn't, I just thought it was going to happen. Right. So when I was there yeah. and if I was a third liner or fourth liner with Florida, I thought, okay, well, I mean, next year I'll be a third or second liner and, you know, and like, it's just going to be this progression, but I wasn't really digging in on how to be that third or second line working right? to get there right like yeah, that work right. that work and that compete to get there right yeah. to show and again we were working that's the thing like it's it's funny when people listen like it wasn't like you were lazier I, I worked my ass off right but it's like not like how i could have though right not like yeah. not the little extras here and there and not the really like what is it going to take and i think it's interesting too because you mentioned about you know sort of being independent and being your you know march to your own drum i can relate to that as well right but I was also in situations, and this is not to point to the organization or that any older veteran should have done something for me, but it's interesting to hear how like Boston handles their guys now, how like Chara gets assigned one of their rookies, how, how, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Bergevin or uh, Patrice Bergevin. does too, you know, and, and some of these uh, 
teams and and Detroit was like that too in their glory days right like these younger guys like when Darren Helm came in like guys were looking at like telling them like this is the way we do things here this is the way you got to do things right so you're not really left to be a young rookie you know running around playing games right I mean I think that there's something to that right because it's it's tough to have that onus specifically on a 20 year old guy making pretty good money and just making sure he's got his life sorted out right living in Boston or Chicago or New York or Toronto or Montreal right like here you go and making money and and you just and 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 I always tell people again you know which is I think you know why some guys when they finish hockey have a bit of a problem but everything's scheduled for you too right like you get your itinerary here you go okay you look at that okay perfect so I got to be at practice for 9 30 and then we're on the bus to the airport after that then we get to the hotel our dinner's at eight and (laughs) times 10 all right perfect I'm good and here's your meal money. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, so everything's set for you, right? So you just know, like, you just look at it and perfect. Here's my, my schedule's all set for me and whatever. And you know what I mean? You yeah. can, you do whatever you want the rest of the time, right? You can go out yeah. and have fun and just be like, okay, got to be at the rink at 930. That's it. Yeah, right? Hard to manage, right? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, so did you, when you were in Edmonton there, then was it a young team? Like, were there guys there that you remember, like, as far as leadership core, you know, like, what was, what was the environment like there in Edmonton when you were there? Um, It was a fairly young team. Yeah, like you said, because we had four or five or six of us that were up that year and that all got sent back. Um, Kelly Buckberger was our captain and Bucky, Bucky was a great guy. Like, he's a good friend and I, I ended up... Yeah, I ended up living with Bucky and his wife, Carla, and kids when I got traded to Los Angeles the one year, and he was there, and uh, I moved in with them. But, Buck, yeah, Bucky was a great guy. He's an old-school guy, and um, but like a worker. Again, that's a guy like I always looked at, and I, I remember strictly about watching Bucky that he was like that guy, and I learned a lot from him. But, you know, if, we, if you guys were out having drinks and, and whatever and, and having fun after a night, Bucky was there an hour and a half before practice on the bike again in his garbage bag, sweating, whatever he's got it on, just sweating it out for an hour before practice again. I'm like, this guy's crazy. Like, I can barely open my eyes right now. I got a headache and he's already sweat out six pounds on the bike here. Like, you know what I mean? He's that guy, right? That was so, totally him. He'd be the last one to leave the bar and the first one at the rink. I mean, at the rink riding again and stuff. And yeah. so, I mean, good. We had some good older guys like that. Like we had some good, you know. Kevin Lowe was there my first year. It was his last year, so and I ended up sitting right beside him. And obviously, a, a legend, right? Like he was all those big teams and all fair. Yeah, exactly. And and so I got to sit beside him and just chat and listen to him. And so he had some good guys, but we also had a young team. That when you have that young team, I mean, guys get together, right? And they go and yeah. have fun. And and again, like I said, I I. I wish I would have curbed that a little more and just focused more on establishing and, and, and that sort of side. But again, and then you went to Tampa and Tampa wasn't doing really well at the time either. And then you ended up in New Jersey and the, and I've told the story a few times on here, like it's different. It's so crazy to me that I didn't know the difference. Well, I started in a really pretty solid place with Florida, right? Like it was a bunch mm-hmm. of kind of journeymen. There was no real stars there. Everyone was kind of had a really good family feel to it. But yeah. then it was like team that didn't make the playoffs, team that didn't make the playoffs, team that was struggling, didn't hadn't made the playoffs in a while, right? And it, it was just 
it was like, this is the NHL, you know? And then I ended up in Detroit and it was like massively different, like for that, just for my training camp one exhibition game. Yeah. I just felt like, oh, this is, this is, this is how it's supposed to be done. Like this, is, this makes sense, right? Like, yeah. was that how it was for you when you got to, to, to New Jersey? Was it like, wow, this, this is, this is different, right? These guys got something yeah. going on here. Totally. That's what, um, yeah, I went to obviously Tampa and then, and Tampa was struggling those years. They were near the bottom of the league and, they had some good veteran guys there, the Dino Cicerellis and Paul Isabarts. And I mean, I'm trying to think the, the other names who would have had back in there, but we had some good Stefan Riche, another mm-hmm. great hockey player. Like there were some good guys there and that, but it was a lot of guys that were at the end of their careers. And I think we're happy to be in a nice sunny place like Tampa and, you know, the, you know, winning the Stanley cup, I guess, or being a top team or being an app mate might not have been the priority. Like that's kind of the feeling I got. And yeah. even with the organization there, there didn't seem to be a lot of, there was a lot of transition and there didn't seem to be a lot of accountability for poor performance at the time. Like it just seemed like it was just accepted, I guess. And yeah. whatever. And then, yeah. And then basically I kind of got sent down to Detroit in that organization and didn't see eye to eye with the coach down there and, and got traded. Like he basically story. Is there a story we need to hear from that? Well, that one wasn't, there wasn't much story. He just scratched me from a game and I wasn't happy about it. And I wanted to play. And, and he said, if I don't like it, they can trade me. And I said, okay, let's do it. And and he did. (laughs) So, and uh, that happened one more time post that as well. The same yeah, we'll get to that one. I know that one. I like I that. I realized that, like I said, I'm interchangeable and that when when you test them, they'll just call your bluff and trade you. <laughs> well, let's so, get there because that's one of the best. Let's get there because that's... So, but, like, anyways, yeah, so, but when I got to New Jersey, I remember I got traded to New Jersey and, and, uh, and started in Albany, like went to the minors there. And even in Albany right away, it was different, like... And stuff was run from there up to New Jersey. And it was exactly the same getting there going, wow, this is, this is a lot more structured and everything's, you know what I mean? Like every, you could just tell it was a whole different deal and scenario, which you know what I'm talking about. And yeah, yeah and ended up playing Albany and then going up to New Jersey. Yeah. So you, you start the year in Albany, uh, they bring you up at the, at the, geez, I mean, it's kind of looks like right at the tail end, right? Like you were essentially in the Trade deadline. Yeah, they traded away Brendan Morrison and Dennis Peterson, who had played with the junior. Two centermen got Alex McGillney from Vancouver and then brought me up. So, wow. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was so you're having good. a good year down there. So that's cool. So they rewarded you with that. And then, and then, but you didn't get in much action. So they brought you up. We only had the one game before playoffs that year. Yeah, I was just kind of that extra guy. Yeah, played a game and kind of healthy scratched. And yeah, that was it. Right. And then, so how did that, uh, so then playoffs start, you guys were having to make the, well, you know, the devils were having a good year that year. And then how did you, how'd you get into the lineup? Did you start off as a black ace? I believe I did because I'm trying to look like I played, we played Florida in the first round, but I no, but I played in that series. Like I played in every series. So I was kind of, I was kind of that extra guy, but there was always somebody hurt or, you know what I mean? Or if they scratched right. somebody, the guy was kind of in there. So there was some, so I, I got to keep playing. Like I said, I played, I think a couple games in the first series and then, and then maybe a few against Florida or against Toronto in the second. And 
I played the first three and then not in the finals. Okay. But you played enough games in the final to, to earn your... To earn yeah, your, yeah. Uh, yeah. Up until, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So it's kind of, yeah. That's I always, insane. I used to laugh. I wanted to send Tampa a Christmas card to say thank you. A thank you card for trading me after they actually did. I was going to say, I need to send them a thank you card. <laughs> like, hey, just got traded from the worst team in the league to the best team. And I got a Stanley Cup at the end of this thing. I'm like, I got to at least send them a thank you card for doing that. <laughs> that's wild though i mean like but really i mean what a, we talked about you know opportunity earlier you know like that you just i mean who knows how that works you know what i mean like but it works and then yeah. you're there and you go to the final and you got your name on the stanley cup and you got to live that experience and like how i mean talk about that like how how crazy was that time and how cool was that yeah it it was nuts i i, I kind of look back and think it was just a big blur like it was just like we were just going through the playoffs and it's a couple months as everyone knows and it is a hard grind like you're just games and back and on the plane and back and forth and and it just it goes by and and at the time I was just telling um my boy actually was asking about stuff and I was telling him how we we lived in a hotel all playoffs even home games like Lou Lamorello was their GM and even on home games he had us in a hotel in New Jersey he didn't want any family distractions he didn't want any so we were living in a hotel at home and then we'd we'd get to only go home after that game if we were leaving to go on the road the next day so we get to go home for that night and then we'd be gone right. again and yeah had a hotel and we were just eating at a restaurant by the hotel you just order what you wanted I think he had the restaurant booked out and you just order whatever you wanted like I remember them coming up and they're like just just write down what you want to eat and I'm like well is there a menu is there and they're like no just write down whatever you want and that's what they'll make <laughs> we're like okay you know what I mean so guys are getting lobster and lamb chops and like <laughs> I'm like do they just bringing this stuff in like don't they have a menu like it was just like just write down on the sheet what you want to eat and it will be made for you when you arrive. And you're like, okay. <laughs> Some of the perks, eh? Of playing the yeah, yeah. So that was, and that was just, yeah, it was just a run till the end. And all of a sudden, yeah, we won in uh, in Dallas in game six. And yeah, and I just remember thinking, I'm like, holy smokes, this is crazy. We actually, we just won the cup. Like, I'm like, this is like the childhood stuff you dream of, right? Like you're, yeah. you know playing like the, the cliche playing pond hockey and road hockey and you got I had posters of the Stanley Cup in my room and I had you know what I mean I'm like like she won this thing like this is I can't can't wait to call my buddies like <laughs> and you know you day with it right so I'm like I can't wait till my buddies see this thing you know like <laughs> did you get on the ice with it um like how they do now like some of the black aces or guys that aren't in the lineup will put yeah. their skates on and come out did you do that yeah we did. Yeah, yeah I was I was not I shouldn't say again I I don't take it the wrong way like not disappointed but that that day Peter Sikora got hurt real bad and well concussion and and whatever so he was done and so I was I was in in game seven so I was like oh. I was jacked because I they told me like you're back in like he was done and get ready you're back so and then we end up winning obviously so now I was disappointed but I was like oh I gotta get to play game seven here and, wow that would have been cool yeah so but yeah we all got in the ice and did the same old, you know, the laps of the cup and all that kind of stuff. And, right. Yeah, so. Good for you, man. That's cool. So you had another opportunity. I was looking at your DB, like where it looked like you were an NHL or like meaning like not up and down, but like you had that year of 2000, 2001, where you made the, made the devils sounds like, and yeah. then you got that trade. 
and that's, I mean, you kind of, you kind of joked about, about, you know, calling somebody out, but I mean, walk us through that year because that, that was a big year for you. I mean, you kind of established yourself again, like maybe felt you got a foothold here. I'm in the NHL, right. I'm, I'm doing my thing, made this team out of camp. And then, and then the trade happens and you end up playing 35 games. Talk about that year a little bit of what happened. Oh, well, that was just after, after we won, obviously I signed a new contract. My deal was up and I had signed a new, I believe a two year contract there at the time. Did you get a one way on that one? I believe so. Yes, I think it was, or at least the one year was in the second might've been two or that must've felt good though, too. Getting, getting, yeah. that's a big that was the first time for me. Yeah. Right. That, that, that was exciting. Cause you kind of not at ease, but you're like, well, if they're signing to you one way. They kind of have plans for you to be there. Right. Like they're 100%. team. Right. So, um, and we had just one prior with the really good group of guys. Like it's a top, top notch group of teammates. Um, so I was excited, yeah. And then I ended up, yeah, playing playing there kind of. And I mean, I was still third, fourth line guy, kind of interchangeable, and and in that role, and which was which was fine. I'd kind of on that team. That's where I fit in. So it was like you kind of got to do what you got to do to try and fit in, right? Like, yeah, that's where I was, which I was fine with, and and that's it. And kind of played in that role, and yeah, until I got traded, kind of at that deadline of that year. Yeah. Right. Well, let's talk about that trade though, because I thought that's uh or is that something we kept trying to tried to forget that. <laughs> if you're willing to tell the story, because it's yeah. one of my favorite stories. I think it I think it's great. I mean, and, and obviously you're you're really good natured and you're I mean you're <clears throat> you're very humble and you can laugh at yourself. Um, but it is it is funny to hear from you. If you're willing to share it, I'd love to hear it on no, uh, yeah. no it's um, it, it was another one of those decisions I look back on and be like, yeah, I probably should have thought that one through a little bit, not <laughs> so hastily made a decision in anger. <laughs> um, and yeah, basically I just, we were playing in Carolina. I got scratched from that game. Um, and, uh, yeah, went, went, got on the plane after the game and, uh, Lou was obviously their GM at that time. And. And I couldn't say a bad word about Lou. Lou runs a great organization. He did for a long time. He's a great guy. Like, like I said, yeah, I super know. respected. And, yeah. and has always handled guys with respect. I've never heard him. Yeah, he, he's a very loyal GM. He takes care of his guys. Like he's so. Yeah, I was just real angry. I got scratched, and they put in they they put a player in named Mike Danton to play instead of me. And I think if anybody knows who that is, he went through a murder for hire plots and all sorts of crazy stuff like i just knew he wasn't a good person <laughs> like let alone should be playing ahead of me in this they had brought him up and so i was pretty angry about it and uh and uh kind of i think lou knew it and i wasn't kind of hiding it and and he he basically we got on the plane to fly home after the carolina game and uh on the charter and he said come up here and talk to me or something and so i went up and sat with him and he kind of kind of laid the riot act to me about he's in charge and you know I'm not to question his decisions and you know if I don't like his decisions then I'm welcome to stay home and they'll trade me and I said sounds good Lou and then I went home and stayed home <laughs> um yeah like I said not probably great but decision wise but I, I I'm I'm pretty strong-willed too or hard-headed I guess you'd say so I'm like oh you know we'll see who wins this right. little battle and, and and then until I got the phone call that night that I'd been traded was, so, it, was it that quick 
Uh, yeah, I think it was like a, a day later, like at night. Yeah, like Dave Taylor called me from LA and Lou called me and said, we, we traded to LA, Dave's going to call you. So Dave Taylor was a GM and we traded for you and, uh, and, uh, and that was it. So go get my, you know, gear from the rink and get packed up and I'll be on a flight tomorrow morning to meet Los Angeles and Chicago and uh, away you go, right? So, right. and, and again, like New Jersey at that time, we were one of the top teams in the league still. Like they ended up going to the finals that year again and losing to Colorado, like when Ray Bork went his first cup. But, but again, like it's one of those ones where you probably been like, I probably should have just taken the flight to chill out, gather my thoughts, come to the rink and work the next day and just make sure I'm back in the lineup, not, you know, have a battle right. with the GM. Battle well, did, he, did he call you up or did you choose that conversation? Did Luke, did Luke sit you no, down? No, he told me to come and have a chat with him because I was pretty angry about being scrapped and I was, you You're know, stomping around a little bit. Yeah, and having a hissy fit, I guess. I don't know what I was doing, but right. not the appropriate move that I should have been doing. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of the things I love about you, though. I mean, you, and like you said, you mean, like, everyone has a personality. I mean, and you're... You play. You played with some fire, and you had a little fire in your belly. And sometimes when that happens, it's not. Uh, it's not always just completely thought out, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the. That's the way it goes. So yeah, but whatever. You said Lou is still. We we just had a, we just had a twenty year reunion for a cup team in February. So I flew out to Jersey, and uh, and Lou Lou came back in. Obviously, he's with the Islanders, so he came in for the day and we had a festivities we were there for the week and did stuff and he was really good he chatted everybody and kind of laughed and laughed at the old story like ah we're both a little hard-headed no worries and like he was he was he was real good about it and like i i you guys, you guys talked about it a little bit oh i just laughed once it was brief like he was yeah. he was around seeing everybody and we yeah. were there with all the guys and there's lots going on so it was it was funny anyways i'm like yeah sorry sorry that's all i could say i should have probably made a better decision than that one but <laughs> So, uh, oh, that's fun, though. That's yeah, fun. Yeah, right. Like you say, guys get it. Everyone's people are competitive and have pride and have you know what I mean. And sometimes yeah. it gets in the way of some logical thoughts or whatever. So yeah, yeah. How was your time in um in Los Angeles? Because you were there for a little bit. Uh, like, well, I guess the rest of that year. But you again, probably in and out of the lineup. Looks like just from the just from your stat line, right? Yeah, to, and to be honest, like it was a it was a fun place to live. I don't have any huge memories with the Kings per se. I actually had a lot more fun in the minors in Manchester with, I had a coach by the name of Bruce Boudreau down there and Boots is a good friend and, and a great guy, great coach. And, and we had a lot of fun on a new team down there. It was one of those ones where I actually have some real great memories and good times with, in that city and, you know, with that team. Right. So. Yeah, and you have some big numbers there. Like, how big of an impact was that for you? Like aligning with with a coach, you know, that whatever either got you or you got them, and you know, was that impactful for you? Like, did you feel did you feel at home there for maybe the first time in your pro career, kind of almost? Yeah, I mean, not the first because we had. Uh, I mean, in Jersey we had Larry Robinson, and Larry was awesome too. Like I said, I just saw him again when we were down there, and he's a, a great a great man, great personality, a hall of famer, like a guy's guy. So I had him and, and he was easy to play for. Like he was a guy when he did scratch you, it was like, all right, I get it. And he'd still be out there chatting with you and let's play some, you know, shooting games after practice. Let's do this. And you're like, yeah. And you just kind of go with it. Right. Where yeah. 
so he was great. So I had him and then I went obviously having Bruce and Bruce was, uh, yeah, it was the same. Like you said, like I, I love the guy, great guy. And I, I ran into him last year and just went over and big hugs. Like we're long lost friends and hadn't seen each other. And, and, uh, yeah. And I, he's a guy when you talk about it, like, um, he wrote a book actually and talks about some stuff from us and our team and that, and, but he's a guy like I would go to war for. Like if he called me up today and said, I need help. I need guys. I'd be like, I'm there, man. What do you need? Like, ask me what you need. I'll, I'll do it. Right. Like he's that guy where you just right those kind of guys where you've had them too. Right. You're like, you just don't want to let them down. Like when I played for him, I'm like, I just want to let this guy down. Like I got to play good. <laughs> he's yeah. such a good dude. Yeah. So, so yeah. That's so cool. You say that because I had uh, Mark Ferner on here before, and I know you know. I think you know Fernsey yeah. from your time around here, and uh, you know a couple championships, and highly regarded coach. And he said, and he's a, I mean, and he's a good coach. I mean, good coach yeah. in a lot of ways. But he said uh, on the interview, he's like, X's and O's isn't what gives a coach an advantage. He's like, everyone knows the game well enough. He's like, that's not where you get the advantage anymore. There's so much video. He's like, it's like it's the players that want to go to war for you. He goes, if the players want to go to war for you, that's when you get your advantage. And um, and like I said, I mean, you hearing you talk like that, like that was Boots. Because to Boots, to me, on it, I mean, I thought he was a really good guy, but I thought he he didn't really like coach the X's and O's very well. Like mm-hmm. I thought that was like kind of a downside of him and ended up being a, a Jack Adams winner, right? But it was like his guys liked him though. I mean, like yeah. his guys liked him. He was likable. He was really, really likable. And he was passionate, and he had a fire for the game, and that yeah, treated was you well. Treated you yeah. well right? as a yeah. player. Like he, you know what I mean? Like he just—I remember one night he caught three of us out at the bar one night after curfew the night before a game, and and not a curfew. I guess we didn't really have curfew, but we were definitely out near closing time, closing time yeah. at a bar. So clearly not when we should have been. And yeah. we were playing the next night. And I remember thinking it's one of those ones like missing the bus. I'm like, Ooh. I know he saw us. He walked in and saw us all. And then he kind of turned his back and went to the other side and then left and didn't say a word. And then the next morning at morning skate, we show up. And, and I remember him saying, all right, so today we're going to have an optional skate. And we're both like, we're looking at each other. We're like, oh, an optional. All right. Like, we don't have to, we can get some sleep here. And, and he's like, yeah, so anybody that thinks they need a little extra rest, can go get a meal in them, get some rest, and then hopefully they're ready to play tonight. And we're looking at each other, we're like, oh, oh, oh all right, that's, that's us for sure he's talking about. But and we played the game of our lives that night. We still laugh like a buddy Eric Healy of mine that you know. And, yeah. and uh, another winger we had there that was a good, good player. And, and uh, yeah, and we played the game of our lives. And I remember thinking, like, that's a good guy. Like, he didn't. Like, but that was the type of thing when you're like, we went out that night and it was like, I'd have gone through a wall for him that night. Like if, so, you know what right. I mean? Like, just like, besides knowing I'm guilty, so I need to yeah. fix the problem. But it was like, this guy's a really good guy. Like he, he gets it. And he, he didn't belittle us in front of the team. He didn't, you know, scratch us from the game. He didn't do all these things he probably could have done with yeah. or been justified to do. And, and we were just like, man, we got to play tonight. Like besides tonight, but. You just like, I, you know, he's a good guy. Like he gets. You know it. what he did? Uh-huh. He earned your he earned your trust. 
Yeah. Oh, totally. And, and I mean, I, he had it before that, but that's just a story I remember. And it was, yeah, like, but I mean, but it's little, I mean, that's a bit, that's a big thing, but I mean, that's, I mean, we, we talked, I've talked about that on here before too, like that trust factor that like that he's got your back, you got his back, right? Like, yeah. like that, that, that's a big deal. It really is because, you know, like I, I said it earlier, like there's times where you think that the coach is watching you for that first time you're going to screw up to, to get rid of you or throw you under the bus or to scratch you, right? Like that's not a trusting relationship where you're like, I feel free to go do some stuff, right? But when you yeah. know, and he and he shows you in that way that, hey man, go get this done. You made a mistake. I know you made a mistake. You know you made a mistake, but you can still play, right? Go play. Yeah. So, but yeah, one story, but I mean, that's, I don't know, that's just his personality, right? And he was the guy that he wanted to have the guys over for a team party at his house. And he wanted to, you know, you come to the rink in the morning. And I was always there early at that time because I had, uh, I had my first daughter then, which was, you know, pretty, yeah, at a young age and, and was probably one of the only guys actually with a kid on the team that year. So I was always up at the crack of dawn. So I'd be the first one at the rink and having a coffee and he'd come sit down and hey, what's going on and just chat with you and tell stories. And it wasn't like you felt like you couldn't say anything or he's watching you or smelling your breath or he's, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Your eyes are bloodshot or what he's doing. Right. But uh, you know, it's that kind of a guy, right? Which again, you know, so it was like, it, it was real comfortable. Like you show up and yeah. And, and, for me, he was he was one of the best coaches I actually ever had. So, think you you think he'll get a job again? I do. I hope he does, and I think he will. Like I said, like I, I talked to him one year, and I know, just like we talk as a coach, I know he wishes he didn't do a few things. You know, a few things different. I think you know he got a little animated. He did stuff, and I remember talking to him like, "Don't change who you are." Like. You're a good coach. You've won at all levels, like that he's coached at, right? He's won the Calder Cups, and and I go, you're going to win a Stanley Cup. You're going to take a team there. I know it. So hopefully he he does, and I think he'll get another job. And I think if he sticks to who he is and his personality, like he's he's a a genuine person that yeah. guys play for, right? He'll get there. Yeah. I thought he'd be a great guest. Actually, I would love to have him on and talk with him now. Oh, um, you should get him on. Yeah. He would. I, he'd, he'd do it for you for sure. And he's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, anything now, like, so now, you know, now that you're, uh, we played together in Mannheim, and if this was a different podcast, we could tell a ton of stories from there. Yeah, I mean, like, we had a t ton of fun there and some really good stories and some Bill Stewart stories, my goodness, that we could get into with, with you and him and old school coaches. But, um, you know, we're getting on here for an hour and a half, and I was just like, anything as far as, I mean, you looking at it now through a different lens, I know that my boys brought me back into the game again, and I'm super thankful for that because um, I kind of disconnected from it, right? When I hung up the skates, I hung up the skates and and kind of had moved on to do other things. And now I'm back in it, you know, with both feet uh, and swimming in the deep end. You know, it's been fun to it's been fun to do it. But is there anything that you would have to say, like the young guys out there, as far as you know, chasing this dream called called hockey or the NHL? Like what 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 little gift you would you would give them as far as advice at this stage i honestly like well just the things i i said on it but i and i preached to my boy who i have coached every year since he's there and stuff and the things i that i just preach i mean i love it i love the game like i wouldn't change a thing and i think you get so much out of it like just play as long as you can like yeah i remember you probably heard that from guys like and not necessarily the pro game even if you're 
I mean, when I quit playing, you said you step back. And I think I, I was still playing seven times a week still for five years after I quit to, you know, cause I couldn't get enough of it or whatever, which was probably too much, but, um, but just, you, you get so much out of it. I think like just the, and it's going to carry you into the second part of your life, like the, the stuff you learn and that, and then, and, and if you want to get there, like the, my advice is just the work, like put the work in, like, you're going to get, you're going to get paid back what you owe when you work, like it's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, I think guys don't realize it. Like you put that effort in, it's going to get paid back to you, right? Like not, it's not easy. Like it never is like, and it, you know, that the guys know that it's not easy. Nothing's easy. So, you know, but, what's your opinion killer on uh on ice like compared to on ice off ice it, it it's turning into uh you know a full-time job really early for a lot of for a lot of players and and guys have different opinions on it and and yeah. i wouldn't want to sway you. i mean so, some guys think yeah put the skates away and you know go go run and play and do whatever you know hit the gym some guys think no you're gonna fall behind you got to be on the ice all the time like where where are you at with with, with that whole philosophy with your own um, probably in between I, I would say like I for a long time I I when I was young I always put the skates away but I know we didn't have the spring hockey and the that they have now right that wasn't there so I would put my skates away and I'd play soccer all 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 spring and summer and then I'd get in the hockey camp kind of at the end of summer and break my gear in for next season and yeah. and away we go right that was and even what I've kind of emulated that with my boy where he puts the gear away and he's played lacrosse. He's a, he loved lacrosse. So he's played real competitive lacrosse every spring, spring and no hockey. And then, yeah, I put him in a couple of camps at the end of summer and break in his new skates and whatever he needs to get ready and then go to tryouts. And, and, but now just starting this year, he's getting into that, that peewee kind of double eight, double age group and tryouts and it's getting a little more competitive and he wanted to do more. So I thought I will put him in a bit of spring stuff and, let him but I mean that was on his command not mine so right, just right. For more and and uh and play that which is fine and but I mean I guess to each his own I just I always thought that you pushing your kid and putting him in spring hockey and off ice workouts and all the way through is not going to make him any better than the kid that doesn't do it does something else and then does a camp and comes or, or whatever like I don't right. think you're going to fall behind myself again yeah. like you said got their own opinion for sure and their own their own way but for me i'm probably more that way where it's like i let them do something else like they got to be varied and skill set in sports and meet some new kids and a new social network and be coached by someone else right like be because that new coach and lacrosse brings new you know new skill sets new (laughs) you know life lessons he's going to teach them that that me that i'm coaching hockey or we're same coaches in hockey or in, right so he'll bring him something else he's going to learn some new skill sets physically some so i'm a big kind of proponent more of you know doing that it up. yeah yeah it, it, it's tough too because some of these like my oldest son for instance hudson i mean he not that he doesn't have any other interests he does like he likes mountain bike and he likes doing this he likes doing that but i mean he if he could play hockey every every day i think he would play hockey every day right yeah well, well I know and, and that's the tough one for a parent right is like well I really am from the kind of that side like the side of the fence of no man like go do something else like you I mean 
one is good for you too. I think it keeps the fire even brighter for, for hockey, you know, Ooh, and, I agree, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and the one thing, which was an interesting little experiment it, and it, but it was, it was a forced on us as an experiment. Everyone loves spring hockey. I do too, because it's like, you know, it's this kind of opportunity to sort of play the way minor hockey's done. Now you can kind of go play how you want to play. Right. I think right. it's cool. I think it's neat for the kids. So I'm, I'm not anti spring hockey, but it's, a, it is a lot of hockey, especially when you coach it, which I was right. So I was, I was going to coach his spring team again and we were set up with the stingers and then COVID strikes and there's no spring hockey. So no one's playing hockey anywhere. Yeah. Hudson is like a super motivated, like 11 year olds crazy. Like he was wanting to work out and he was doing his plyometrics and he's shooting pucks and he's doing all these things, right. Just kind of being a kid, a hockey kid without touching the ice. And then when he came back and touched the ice after two and a half months, I guarantee you he was better than he would have been if he played spring hockey the whole time. Yeah. Like, and, and and so, like, for me, that was just, like, a little bit of an affirmation going, like, yeah. I mean, sometimes it maybe more isn't better, right? Like, sometimes the variation might be better because he was stronger on his skates. His legs were stronger. You know, he would have more – like, the stuff that he was doing just made him a better athlete, right, which made him a better hockey player. So, that was just anecdotal, obviously, for me. But it was, like, interesting, you know, like, that maybe there is something to this, right, to allow them to go. When, uh, Tom Rennie took over with Hockey Canada, right? And I mean, he came in, I remember listening to him and it was, I don't know, it was probably a year or so ago or more that he, he came out and was saying kids need to play other sports. Like they shouldn't be playing hockey. They were, they, they believe that they should be doing other things and it's better. And I kind of, I was kind of shaking my head. People heard it. I'm like, I agree with that. Like, I'm, that's me too. Like, I think it's, and, and you said like, it keeps the fire too. Because they they don't play and all of a sudden it's like all right I'm I'm excited to get back I'm ready to go right not just another go back to the yeah. ring and right. again some kids are different right like your boy Hudson might be that might be him but it might not be your middle boy right like he yeah, might yeah, no, you know what I mean like he might he he might only need to play this and he needs a break to get himself excited again to play or whatever because yeah. he'll just tear out of it right so so to each his own I guess but I'm that's kind of where I sit is. Is, is that that mentality as well i guess the, the message for me though is to parents is that sometimes like i, I just i just hear from parents that like what's well, just so much you know, I mean there's so much and what do you say no to right because there's always yeah. a there's always a power skating camp or somebody who says your kid's good and come to this camp and play yeah. spring and it's like when does it end right and i guess yeah. you just don't make your decision feeling like you're going to get left behind i think like that's the biggest like my my yell it from the mountaintop is like he'll he'll if he's going to play he's going to play like yeah. you know like it, it's, it's going to work out you know and, and trust that trust that process and don't feel like you got to be writing checks every second week to have new ice no. and new this and new that right no because you'll see some of those kids that have you know the parents have spent twenty five thousand dollars on camps and whatever and then they quit when they're 14 because they've had enough and they want to do something else too right there you're going to yeah. see those but I'm, I'm i'm totally in agreement with you that's yeah. that's the way it can too it's like the kid like i said at the beginning the kids that love it they're going to love it whether they play minor hockey and don't play again until August or they're going to love it even more, or they're going to, you know, don't do any camps and just start the season again. And they're going to love it and they're going to get better and they're going to, so that's, yeah. I'm with that department. Yeah. Like you said, each of their own. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I hate when people make the Academy decision or make the, all these, all these, you know, being involved in hockey because then maybe they're not, they haven't been as close to it as you and I have. So they feel like, well, I got to support my kid. I got to do what's right for him. I want him to do well. Yeah. Um, and they don't really know that, you know, you don't actually have to do that. I mean, you can take a, yeah. take a breath, take a step back. I mean, it's okay. You're not doing a disservice to anyone. Um, yeah. But you know what? We've been talking forever. You've been such an awesome guest. Uh, two o'clock already. My goodness here. Almost two hours. Uh, 
I, I told I told Killer, I'll tell everyone. I was like, well, if you're a terrible guest, we'll just cut you off in about 30 minutes. So I, I, I guess you passed the test because we're at two hours here. So uh, <laughs> technical difficulties. <laughs> Can't hear you. All right, click. <laughs> Next week on Up My Hockey, we're gonna bring in. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me, buddy. It was good to chat with you. No, it was awesome. It was awesome. Well, maybe we'll do it again sometime. We'll get into more yeah. of the, um, you know, the. Uh, the Manheim stories, which are, which are, but anyways, no, that's great, man. I really appreciate it. it. It's nice to go back and reflect, like I said earlier, you know, like kind of how it all works, you know, like we have this idea of what the NHL is and how it is to get there and what it's like when you get there and, and everyone has a little different way and a little different path. And, um, you know, to be drafted ahead of two probably hall of famers is a really interesting spot to be in. Right. And, uh, and and to talk about that, and you still got a hundred. I mean, 150 games is is nothing to shake a stick at, and you got that Stanley Cup on your shelf there, and that's pretty, that's pretty cool. So, anyways, I appreciate your time, and and, and thanks. You've been a great yeah, guest. Oh, it's good. I hear what you're doing, and I'm sure, like you said, a lot of those kids you speak with will get uh, a huge bonus with some of the advice you can give them for sure. So, oh, okay, awesome. I appreciate that. All right, Killer. Well, we'll end this. Um, thanks so much, and I'll talk to you off air here once I press stop. Great. Sounds good, buddy. Take care. Thank you guys for listening to that conversation with my friend Steve Kelly. Uh, what an amazing story. What a humble guy. He's so easy to laugh first at himself. Uh, he has a great sense of humor. I think that really came through in this conversation. And what an amazing thing. For him to be able to have his name on the Stanley Cup is so special and something that we fight for. We all fight for for a long time. We all play for it on the driveway. and. Uh, as kids growing up and those of us that were lucky enough to put on an NHL jersey obviously had that as our as our pinnacle and for Steve to join the few who have their name on that thing is, is so special and I wish we would have maybe spent a little more time there in the episode and just acknowledge and celebrate that but super cool and one of the things I took away from that episode I'm not sure about you was just understanding like how hard it is to make it how you know Steve at the sixth overall draft pick uh, ended up playing 149 games and he fought for every one of those games and sometimes uh, sure there's things that we can do different and there's things that we can pick apart and say yeah we could have done this or we could have done that but you know what things things need to go right too at times you know things that the opportunity has to be right the the situation has to be right the right guy needs to be hurt for you at the right time or or a coach needs to like you at the right time. It's uh, it's just a funny, interesting game because there is some luck involved. And of course, we have to do what we need to do. And we need to step into the opportunity when it's there. But it's a, it's a tough game. It's a tough industry. There's new guys coming up all the time. And it's tough to get your foot in the door. And then, like Steve said, is to actually stay there, to, to keep being there and to be acknowledged as being a full-time NHLer. So we've heard stories not only from Steve, but from others like Scotty Nickel and Danny Briere and Wade Redden and, and all these guys that have told their version of how they either got there or were getting their, their foot in the door and, or how they were able to stay there. And I think that's real special. And with Steve, one of the things that I thought was amazing is that, you know, the backbone of, of what he was all about was that he was having fun and he thinks that's the most important thing. And I... The more I think about it, I mean, I can't really agree more. You I mean, you have to enjoy this thing from a youth level all the way up through junior and all the way through pro. And sometimes at, once you start getting paid for it, you can lose a little bit of that fun because you do look at it as a profession and you look at it as something serious and something that's completely results oriented. And, 
and uh, and we lose sight of the fact that you know what this is supposed to be a good time and that's why we picked up the skates in the first place and that's why we picked up a, uh, a stick so Steve was like that regardless of where he played uh, whether he was in the minors or whether he was in the NHL he made sure he was having a good time and he always had that fire in his belly and he always had that competitive spark and he just enjoyed the game right and so whether it's 149 games like Steve 41 like me or or a thousand uh, like Brian McCabe, you know, it's it's keeping that fun be a massive piece, uh, and and keeping that stay keep that strong and find ways within the game for you. Whatever's fun for you, you athletes out there, you know what what, what makes hockey fun? Uh, enjoy your teammates, enjoy scoring goals, have fun skating, stopping guys coming down in here for your defenseman or a goalie, you know, making those big saves. Like really enjoy that and celebrate that and allow yourself to step into those moments that. That, uh, that really brings some, some sparkle in your eye and, and wants you to put a smile on your face. I see a lot of kids, even the kids that I practice, that it seems like we're really serious about the sport. You know, it is a sport and it is something we should have fun with. So, Steve, thank you for that, reminding us that, you know what, this is a fun thing. It should be fun and we need to keep it fun. And for everyone else out there, play hard, keep your head up. Till next time. Cheers.